What up, Dale? One Pride. This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where one pride goes worldwide. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick, and you are joining us for the college football podcast, Oregon. I'm joined this evening by the returning Ryan McCluskey. He wasn't on the show last week, but there was a very good reason for that. He was over in the United States watching the Detroit Lions kick the New York Giants ass back to the Stone Age. Ryan, it's good to have you back. How was the trip? Yep, perfect. Did all the the usual touristy stuff. Saw the Statue of Liberty, went up the Vanderbilt summit, ate a load of bad food, drank a load of beer, saw some good football. Uh, I was like in the hotel, like watching the Bills score while we were going to go fly. That upset me a little bit. But no, that I didn't like that dampen my spirits. But yeah, the, the best week and it flew by. Weather was perfect as well. Sunny, no rain, just a bit of cloud. And uh, yeah, finished it off with the Thanksgiving parade, which unless you've got three, four hours and want to see a load of balloons of cartoon characters, I don't know who most of them are. I wouldn't really recommend it unless you're American. Or do some research first because I didn't know anyone. I didn't know any of the celebrities either. Oh, well, well, at least you got to see the main important thing, which was a Detroit Lions victory. So, you know, that, that that is the one thing you ought to ask for, and you got that there. So, glad you enjoyed your time there now, anyhow. But it's uh, back to the grind this week, and in college football, boy, oh boy, is there a grind right now. The regular season is over. Done. Finito. For 52 teams. Emphasis now switches to spring training because that is the next action they are going to get. For the other 80, it's bowl season. It's championship season. A lot on the lines here. Coaches are getting fired. Coaches are getting hired. The award winners for all the positional groups, the Boletnikov, all that sort of stuff are coming out. Ryan has some takes on that, which we'll get at some stage. Um, There's all sorts going on at the minute, so we are going to dive straight down into the show today, uh, because we've got a hell of a lot to get through, really. So, um, just remains for me to quickly go through, thank everyone who's joined us. King SJ is in the YouTube chat, says, greetings from Toronto, Canada. Greetings. Thank you for joining us this evening, and thank you to everyone who is on Twitch. Derek Bobaric is in there, he says, go blue. Absolutely. I'm delighted with Michigan. I, I We're going to talk about them later, but I've spent weeks cashing a check on regards to what they were going to do against Ohio State, and they, they cashed it perfectly and made me look like an absolute genius. So thank you, Michigan. I appreciate the hell out of you this week. Just got to quickly get all the housekeeping out of the way. So Roar of the Lions UK Discord, if you want to come join, let us know. We'll uh, throw a link your way. It is very good. On more uh, main podcast for the Royal Lions UK, our Detroit Lions one, we will be back tomorrow. We will be previewing the Jacksonville Jaguars game this upcoming weekend. And we have a guest with us from the Jacksonville Jaguars UK YouTubing community. So please do join us for that. That will be good 
fun. Don't forget to like and sub to everything, Twitch, YouTube, all that. We we love you. We really appreciate you. Our YouTube subs took a massive leap the other day when Tom Grossi raided us, which was ever so good. Most of you stuck with us, so you really appreciate it. We are fighting towards 700, so if you haven't already, give us a sub there if you like what we do. If not, we'll try harder to get that sub down the line. And Lions Nation Unite, don't forget about that. Herman Moore's app, um, Detroit Lions fans content done by the fans for the fans. We're on there, Detroit Lions on the Prowler on there, Dose Dion's on there, Orum Forum's on there. There's so many great... Um, Lions YouTubers in that community so please do go check it out it is real good fun right with all that done let us get down into the news and boy oh boy there is a lot of news this week we're going to talk about a lot of coaches here to start off Ryan so particularly I'm going to go through the coach hiring so far a few teams fired their head coaches during the season not many hirings have been made but that has all changed and maybe the biggest of them all Luke Fickle will be the new head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers the Badgers are the team to finally tempt him away from Cincinnati and what has been rated as a highly coveted catcher I will probably agree with that he has been turning down overtures from multiple different teams over the last few years given how well his Cincy team has been doing he's completely rejuvenated the Bearcats he had a 4-8 and eight start when he went there to start off with, but then he delivered successive 11 win seasons, only the third and fourth in program history, and then the two seasons after that he delivered two perfect regular seasons, so I think he went 9-0 and 11-0, and and two AAC championships, lost to a last gas field goal to Georgia in the Peach Bowl, and became the first head coach to ever take a G5 school, a group of five school, into the playoffs last season where they lost to Bama. But it's not just the on-field results that have raised this profile. The player development has been huge under him. Between 2013 and 2020, Cincinnati only had one year where they had more than one player drafted in a calendar year. In 2021, they had four players drafted. And in the past draft, in 2022, just gone, they had nine players drafted. The third most from any team in college football in the draft this year. And it's all done through recruiting. Since his 2023 recruiting class is currently top five in the nation, which for a G5 school is insane. So every facet of this franchise he has turned around. He finishes 57-18, and 18, but... This is not an easy job he's picked up. So Fickle's predecessor, Paul Christ, was fired with a record of 67 and 26. Because winning football games regularly is not enough in Madison. They demand championships and they ain't been getting them in recent years. And the Big Ten is about to get a whole lot harder with the arrival of USC and UCLA adding to incumbent challenges. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and they may well lose the safety net of the conference, which for years now has been Wisconsin's easy way to the big championship game. But with conferences possibly going, they're going to have to beat the best of the best if they want to start fighting for championships. And... This hire does come against some internal resistance from players and staff. It was widely expected that they would give their interim head coach, Jim Leonard, the job. Um, but he didn't. He is obviously a Wisconsin alum, a very popular there. But the job was not given to him. And he's got a lot of, lot of jobs on his hand here. Right? He needs to find a quarterback. 
He's somehow got to convince Braylon Allen to come back next year and rebuild this team through him. And he needs to start recruiting for the long term to bring long term success to Wisconsin because that is the only way he's going to do it. Deal is reported around the six and a half million a year mark. As for Cincinnati, they now have a head coaching vacancy to fill with their impending move to the Big 12. But um, what do you make of this, Ryan? Fickle has long been a target of many teams and it, it it's, it's a bit of an odd one that Wisconsin would be the team that he goes to, but they've got themselves a hell of a coach. I think it's a massive mistake. <clears throat> Wisconsin, he's staking his whole reputation on rebuilding a team that I don't think can be fixed. I don't think he'll convince Braylon Allen to stay. I, if Braylon Allen's got any sense, this is his chance now to jump ship while the team's in flux. <coughs> Go get... He could jump to anyone, so... I think the, I think he's bitten off more than he can chew. He's <coughs> only years. I reckon a lot of that Cincinnati 23 class will decommit now. I reckon a lot of them won't join. And he'll, pri- he'll try to bring some of them with him. But as you mentioned, Graham Mertz, he's crap. I'd say he's just not very good. Cost them way too many games because their run game got stuffed or Alan picked up Knicks when he wasn't actually tearing it up. So first task, finding QB. And that's harder than it sounds because they're not exactly school known for passing the ball very well. They don't have a great wide receiver core. They've got a decent offensive line, but bare bones offense. Defense, they've got some decent linebackers, good safeties, but a few of them are draft eligible. And so there's going to be a few Wisconsin players leaving this year. So he, everything he's known for, he's putting it all on the line. He's betting on himself that he can turn this program around. And as you mentioned, when those two sides of the Big Ten merge, Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they're in trouble. They're in a world of trouble. Like They are not guaranteed to make a Big Ten title game forever, ever again. So I, it's ballsy. There was jobs out there that I think were probably safer. But, yeah, I respect him for taking a serious challenge. So... He's got a lot to do, and I think it's going to be a slow process. Like I said, I'm not expecting fireworks in year one unless he can go get someone like Cade McNamara. That's the kind of guy I'd be targeting to try keep him in this area. He's not far away. No. Being over in Detroit, I would try penciling on like, oh, Luke Altmaier, something like that. Try get someone with some experience. Don't go with a kid. But yeah, if he tries to lure Ben Bryant, I don't know, maybe he could do if he's got loyalties to, to Fickle and not Cincinnati. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's a bold move, and I like it in Wisconsin, the fact that they've actually managed to lure him. Like I say, they've given him a good wage, they've not overpaid him. They're, they're banking on the fact that he can use his connections, and he turned around one program, so he might be able to turn around this one. But yeah, it's he's going to have to be there for the long haul. And what this means for Cincinnati now, I don't know. All the pieces could just fall apart, unfortunately. They could just lose yeah. decommits. Like, say, any good players they've got that don't mind traveling. <coughs> Cincinnati, it's Ohio. It's not far to Wisconsin, really. It's just kind of around no. the bend. So if they want to follow him, there'll be a place there for him. So let's see if he's one of those coaches like uh, we saw Nevada and Colorado State. The yeah. head coach just tried to take all his players with him. Yeah. If he'll try to do that process. But, yeah, 
Wisconsin were one of the bigger jobs, and I'm pretty sure their facilities and that are fantastic. Madison's a beautiful city, so I'm rooting for the guy. I like the guy a lot. Yeah, I, I feel like I sort of have a vested interest in Wisconsin now, because I do love him. I like that Cincinnati team. I like what he's done there. and Like I said, it's ballsy. If he can win a Big Ten championship, especially with USC and UCLA arriving, then his stock goes to the moon. Literally to the moon. He could be looking at like Alabama, Ohio State type jobs then. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a really interesting one to see. But fickle to Wisconsin, you know, we will see with bated breath what happens there. Um, Jackson, though, we'll never see fickle <laughs> in the NFL now. I feel like this is probably yeah. going to be one of his last jobs. So, yeah, yeah, if he yeah. had any interest in NFL, I'd say it's probably just ended. Which, if he'd hold on, I think a lot of jobs have been available in the NFL this year. So, I don't know. Maybe some people are just suited to college. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it, it's a good challenge. He's got the resources there. It's can he use them? And, you know, he seems to be a guy who's able to. But as for Cincy, they've got to land hard on their next target because they're off to the Big 12 now. They ain't going to be a big fish in the AAC anymore. They're going to be a small fish in the Big 12. And they are gonna, they're going to be right up against it. So they need to get a coach who will equip them properly down there. So we'll see. Um, John Balls joined us in the YouTube chat. Says, good afternoon, UK. Brent DeWitt is in the chat. He says, good snowy day, guys, from Twin Lake, Michigan. Hope you are enjoying the snow out there. I'd kill for a little out here myself. Um, and Derek mentioned something. He goes, some people saying Georgia don't stand a chance against the Wolverines. I can't say I'd go for that, but I'm very optimistic. I don't know what my uh, I don't know what my playoff predictions are for the Wolverines yet, but I'll uh, I'll get to them eventually. Uh, Kool Aid Kid is also in. He goes, Minnesota in the house. Thank you for joining us. And Miss Harley Quinn is in as well. She says, hi, guys. Thank you for joining us, all of you, here on the College Football Podcast. Right, we're staying in the Big Ten, Ryan, because he ain't the only coach who's been hired. Luke Fickle has gone to Wisconsin. Matt Rule is going to Nebraska in a big sigh of relief for Ryan, who doesn't have to worry about Arizona State hiring him anymore. The former Carolina Panthers head coach is taking over on an eight-year, $72 million dollar deal. The Cornhuskers are a team on the decline at the moment. They've not even had a bowl appearance since 2016, and this is going to be one heck of a rebuilding job for Matt Rule as he joins the conference at a time, as I said earlier, it's about to expand, it's about to strengthen. Um, but this is why Nebraska have picked him, because, you know, we all remember the ill-fated trip with the Panthers in the NFL, but before that, he developed a reputation for turning around failed programs at the collegiate level, specifically Temple and Baylor. He had great success there with them. And I mean, Nebraska technically has a decent team that has been massively underachieving. So it's not like there's no talent for Rule to work with there. He will have an alright team, but it's an eight-year deal, so expect this to be a longer, more methodical rebuild to what Wisconsin is going to be. Expectations are not as high just yet in Cornhusker Nation for me. What do you make to this one, Ryan? Matt Rule is going back to college. He rebuilds college football teams as better as any, and, and Nebraska needs rebuilding. See, people might not agree. I think Nebraska's a better job than Wisconsin. I think the team's better. I was actually really disappointed with Nebraska this year. One of the best receivers in the nation. A good quarterback. <coughs> a good run game. They picked up O'Shea Mathis, like a high-look recruit defensive end from TCU. Good defensive backs. 
Nebraska were built to have a good year, and it flopped. Yeah, like I say, it, it didn't go well, and it was hard on Matt Rule because whoever took him had to take on some of that contract from uh, Carolina, didn't they? Yeah, he was owed some money. So He's owed forty million from there. That deal is massive, and I agree. They've had, and they probably didn't want to give him eight years, but they've had to like they've had to splash, they've had to spread the money out, like. Mm. Nobody in college sees that an eight-year deal anymore. He'll do three, four <laughs> years at most, if that. Unless but, you're Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he gives me a bit. I actually, I like this hire. I think Nebraska are a really attractive. <coughs> Excuse me. There's talent. There's a huge fan base. They're an upset fan base, like I said, because the Cornhuskers have not been that relevant for a while. But if you can keep the players that are there, that's the hardest bit right now. I don't know what Casey Thompson's doing. Yeah, it can't go to the draft. No, will he enter the, no, will he enter no, the portal? No. As a, I think he'll be a graduate. Will he enter the portal, or Matt will try to convince him to stay? I think it might be in his best interest to stay, unless he can yeah. get a good gig. Yeah. But he did leave Texas to mm. come here, so <laughs> he's stuck in super high, and it's some good backs. The Palmer got one of the best receivers in the nation. He's going to have to be convinced to stay. So there's talent there to work with, and there's no pressure. Wisconsin. Probably got a bit of pressure on it, like you say, in the Big Ten. Like you say, they want to, they want to win now. Nebraska, their fans will probably be a little, little bit more relaxed. They know this is a long-term project. It wouldn't surprise me if Nebraska did better than Wisconsin next year, because there's more to work with. And Matt Rowell, he's not putting his reputation on the line. He's trying to rebuild it. Like his is in tatters. Like everyone said, like say when he fired Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator, he was a scapegoat. Then the offense was still terrible when he was calling the plays for the Panthers. And eventually they called quits. He's got a lot to prove and he's got to he's got to silence the doubters and critics. So it's an expensive hire, like the money, but he's probably one of the best options you could have got, I'd say, in college right now. Like I say, he's yeah. got the recruits. He's got a hell of a lot of contacts as well. So I think this will either be a marriage made in heaven and he can get double digit wins. Or it's like uh, killer wives on CBS. One of them end up murdering. One of them end yeah. up killing each other. It's one of those. It's a good. It's a good cop, bad cop hire. Yeah. It could go well. It could go terrible. And I can't say right now. See, I feel like this is good for the Big Ten. These two hires, because there are a smorgasbord of coaches in there who are just sort of settled into jobs and are just no good at their jobs, and it just creates bad football. I feel like Fickle and Rule are going to create good teams to at least provide some competition there. So I, I kind of like both these highs. But snap question, right now, gut feeling, who's going to last longer and who's going to do better? Fickle at Wisconsin or Rule at Nebraska? Fickle will last longer, but Rule will do <laughs> better earlier, I think. I think one of them's there for the long term, one of them there will have quick success and then piss off. Yeah. Will Fickle keep Jim Leonard? Will he be his offensive He'd be wise player? to. He'd be wise to, but apparently Leonard... He'd upset is... the fans if not, but I don't think Jim Leonard will stay now. No. No, I don't. But, I mean, at the same time, I can kind of understand why they didn't give it him fully, because it wasn't a great season. I, I kind of feel like he needed to have done a little bit more, especially he ain't used Braylon Allen. He's got one of the best running backs in the country, and he ain't been using him, and it's just like, use your star players, man. Just be a bit better, but... Yeah, I, I feel like Fickle might 
do more, but I think rule will last longer. I think that's good. I think I'm with you on that one. Um, this Holly Quinn says, I'm new watching college football. We all start somewhere. So, you know, be with us. If you want to learn with us, that is absolutely fine. We don't mind at all. Um, Brent Stewart says, Luke Fickle will probably last longer. Okay, that's fair. I think, yeah. Hopefully both of them last longer and create the uh, create good franchises out of these two. Because, my God, the Big Ten needs some new teams. And it needs it quick. Because it is getting boring. boring. Yeah, it is getting boring. And, you know, this game at the weekend, everyone said, oh, you shouldn't punish the loser too harshly. Yes, you should. Because that entire conference is based around that one game. You create your schedules for that one game. You can't win that one game then you deserve all the rubbish you get from it. So, hey, we'll talk about the game soon. We're getting there. Um, Brent says, if Utah upsets USC, who's the fourth team in? We'll talk about the college football playoffs in a minute when we've gone through these, but we've got a lot more coaches to go through first. So, um, moving on. Let's go to the Pac-12. Arizona State have a head coach, Ryan. Um, Kenny Dillingham, the Oregon offensive coordinator who, at 32 years of age... That's how old I am. Is now the youngest head coach at a Power 5 school currently. He may be young, but he is experienced. He's been a lead assistant in the SEC, the ACC, and the Pac-12. And of course, this season, he has masterminded the most unlikely Heisman campaign for Bo Nix. Although it looks like he's ultimately going to fall a little short. But to get Bo Nix and Heisman in the same sentence together in a semi-serious tone is a hell of an achievement. He is an Arizona State alum. He is known throughout the Arizona head, uh, the high school scene. Which is where the allure of hiring him is rooted. He is a skilled highly skilled recruiter he is the one who convinced five-star quarterback Dante Moore to commit to the Ducks in 2023 put it this way he is the third highest ranked QB in that class behind just one Arch Manning and one Malachi Nelson who's going to USC um so Arizona State obviously now going to hope Dillingham is able to keep the creme de la creme of Arizona football comets in state with them and rebuild this team in the face of growing threat from in-state rival Arizona who finally toppled them in the Territorial Cup. Ryan warned me for months and I still ignored him. But he was right. Um, and he's also got to deal with the looming sanctions from the NCAA, which are about to be levered against Arizona State. So, tough assignment here initial, initially. But you can be guaranteed that you're probably going to see a very fun offense been run sooner rather than later. And he is also retaining interim head coach Sean Aguano, who is also well-known and highly thought of in the state. Well, you are a Sun Devils fan, Ryan. What do you make of this hire? I think it's I think it's perfect. He's not flashy. He's not a big name like Herm Edwards was. Marvin Lewis, when he they both came to the NFL and thought, we're going to fix this team. We're going to make it a pound-for-pound pound bulldog. We're going to be big, brash, use all our connections. No, they fought. They didn't get along. The athletic director always defended them, and it just didn't work. And... Arizona State football is <coughs> at rock bottom. So they went and they found someone that knows them. Dillingham, like I say, bleeds ASU, bleeds maroon and gold, went there. Like I say, he knows the players. He kept the old running back coach, Aguano, the interim head coach, which is the first good move he's going to do because the fans liked him and because they ran the ball really well last year. 
so he's still a good and could be his offensive coordinator. He's got ties to the state, so he'll try to keep kids in state. This is a team that's 3-9, and nine, lost their first Territorial Cup in like 2,200 days, their first upset of Arizona. It couldn't get much worse this year. It was dreadful in every aspect. And he still had one of the best running backs in the nation, but he's going to draft. Paul Emery Jones, the QB, didn't work, lost his job though, But so he's got Trenton Borgier, who is only like a sophomore. So he's got a QB there he can work with. He's got Elijah Badger, star freshman receiver. They're already making uh, offers to recruit guys in the portal. I can't see him flipping Dante more, let's be honest. I just, I just don't yeah. see him choosing Oregon. I mean, choosing us over Oregon. But Ty Thompson, they've got a five-star backup QB in Oregon. I can see him bringing him to Arizona State if he ends the portal. That's someone I can see them flipping because he's about to be in trouble for his job and he's already bounced around. So that's... There are guys that, if they want football, I think Arizona State will bring them in. So, this is a good move. It's a long-term move as well. He's 32, like I said, the youngest Power 5 coach in football. If he can, he'd probably coach ASU for his whole life, given the chance, if he could, if things go well. So, I would like to think this is a 5-10 year higher, just like they've had in the past with Todd Graham, who had long-term success. So, they're going back to basics. They're going with a local kid. There's no hype around them. There's no expectations, there's nothing. Like I said, the sanctions are coming. It'll be a fine, probably a bowl ban, might lose some scholarships. You can live with that. There are things you can live with, and he knows they're coming. So, yeah, this is an exciting long-term project. Right now, they're not the best team in the state, but they'll get back there. They, they will take that crown back eventually. Yeah, th- th- this does smack of sort of long-term rebuild guy. So, I mean, he needs to get experience first, but, yeah, I like the hire. I can't really add much to that, but I do like the hire, you know, when you go the young guy route, especially when he's known around the organisation. It's not like he's a 60-year-old at the end of his career, just getting one last payday. This is a guy with a point to prove. So, um, best of luck to Kenny Dillingham in uh, what he does at Arizona State. Right, let's keep going, because these just keep on coming Oh, we have one of the, we have our villains for the next few years now, Ryan. Villainous team with new villainous head coach. Hugh Freeze is heading back to the SEC. The former Liberty Flames head coach is heading to Auburn on a six-year deal worth about six and a half million a year. Freeze left his last SEC job at Old Miss in disgrace after he had been caught using his university-assigned cell phone to call escort services. Um, that was found out as part of a wider investigation into tampering with potential recruits and offering them perks to come to Old Miss, which is not allowed. I think it was Laramie Tunsil who completely sold him down the drain with that one. Um, Old Miss got punished heavily at the outcome of that investigation, you know, repercussions of which they're still feeling to this day. Now, Liberty gave him a chance to get back on his footballing feet, and he's had astounding success there, in fairness. First with Malik Willis, and then this season they got their first ever victory over SEC opposition when they took down Arkansas in Fayetteville, and they were ranked for some time this season. So, you know, he's done really well there with them. 
Oban were always going to be looking for someone with plenty of SEC experience, given their recent failures of hiring guys with no experience, not even in that part of the country. Freeze was always going to be a leading candidate for this job, and after Oban made a failed run at Lane Kiffin, which did not happen, Freeze was always going to be the guy. But there are a lot of people who remember the old Miss stuff, Ryan. They are... They are not so willing to forget everything that went on there, and this this is a hire that comes with no um, no little less amount of intrigue about it. Yeah, Plan B, as you mentioned, Auburn <coughs> wanted Lim Kiffin. Kiffin went on Twitter and said, "Nope," and it, as of yesterday, signed a huge extension for nine million dollars a year to put yeah. to bed. And then, of course, they were going to take. Like, say, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze has wanted to get back into the SEC for years. He was just waiting for some program stupid enough to do it. And Auburn, well, they've opened the can of worms now. Twitter's been blasting the last few days. People don't forget. Like, say, people think he's he's creepy. Like, the way he acts with female staff, interns, there's all this talk in the past of, like, say, his conduct with his... Uh, his assistants, interims, the grad staff, like, he's not a very well-liked person. And on the field, what he did with Liberty, great. Made them relevant in their step up from the FCS, the SPS. And right now, he's leaving them in a great place. But the stuff off the field, it just won't go away. And I just feel like this is going to end in tears. And it's going to end in tears for Auburn. The getting experience guy, he's got connections, but that stuff like this just doesn't leave you. Like, look at Urban Meyer, like, say he's not back in work because things follow you around and they get in the way when you're trying to build a football team. And I don't dislike Auburn, but they're a mess. TJ Finley's gone. <laughs> Robbie Ashford is basically a running back, not yeah, a quarterback. There's, there's a quarterback. no quarterback no other on the roster, yeah. Tank Bigsby, draft. Yeah. I can't name nearly any other player on the roster of note. He is getting a bare bones, bad SEC team. And he, he's probably going to try bring some of his best Liberty players. First being, the players that really like him, he's going to try bring them with him. But this is one of the hardest jobs in the nation. Yeah. When when that when the uh, when the Gus Malzahn left his program to go to UCF, like I said, Bo Nick followed him. Heart and soul was just kind of ripped out of it. Those yeah. two were like the guys that made them relevant. And right now, this team is in no man's land. They're lost. They're just treading water. So. I don't think this is the hire that is going to drag them out onto life, but if anything, it could pull them under. So this is going to be the one to watch. This relationship will either blow up in their face or they'll go on a wrecking course. And it's going to be amusing. I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of stuff's going to happen in his time there. Yeah, well, I mean, because you've got all like the meddling ADs and all the boosters there, don't you, who have all the influence. And it just it feels like Hugh Freeze is completely the wrong guy to be told by his boosters what he can do and what he can't do with his team. Usually it's the other way around. Head coach calls the shots. I don't see how this is going to work. I feel like, I'm with you, I feel like maybe they'll have a year or two and then he's going to start getting annoyed, he's going to feel like they're not backing him or whatever and then it's just going to blow up into a whole big public farce and it's going to end again. They say Open are in no man's land, they don't have a quarterback, they're losing their good running back, the offense is poor, I mean they got blown out at home by Penn State this year. SEC teams don't get blown out at home by Big Ten teams. 
they just don't. That's how bad they are at this moment in time. So, yeah, um, I don't envisage this one ending very well at all. But, as always, we'll see. Right, and then a couple more to go. So, we've had one interim head coach who has successfully trialled for his job in the long term. Georgia Tech have announced that interim head coach Brent Key has been given the job on a permanent basis. He took over the team when it was 1-3 and three this season after the firing of Jeff Collins, and he managed to go a respectable 4-4 four and four for the rest of the season, including in the last two weeks of the season, they pulled off an upset on the road against then-one-loss team UNC, and they actually gave Georgia a fairly tough time of it in in the rivalry game this week, although Georgia won a canter in the end, but still, they look pretty good. Key is a former Tech alum. He is widely wanted for the permanent job by staff, by players, and it seems that um, Tech agreed. They did apparently make a run at Willie Fritz, who is the Tulane head coach, but he said directly himself that he is staying put. So I feel like Tech had a plan A here to get a new guy. And if Willie, if it was, it was either Willie Fritz or Brent Key. They didn't get Willie Fritz, so Brent Key, to use an ash pun, gets the keys to the car now for this place. Um, I don't know what do you think of this one. Georgia Tech looked okay this year, and I guess you know it's always a thing hiring a guy who's known to a team, etc. But I don't know what do you make of this one. Well, Jeff Sims entered the portal, so he's lost his quarterback within like 48 hours of taking a job. That Which might be a blessing. <laughs> yeah, see, he, he is not the team knows. Like, he's probably going to have to go get a guy that doesn't know this offense or wants to change it. So this is a team that is not going to get any better quickly, but they're okay with that. If you hire an interim coach that says you're fine with being mediocre or you know the first year is going to be a struggle, don't go throw all your money at some expensive guy and expect a miracle. You don't get that with the interim coach, like I said, Brent Keys. Like he knows as well that this is going to be hard, and he knows that if as soon as he fails or as soon as things aren't going well, they'll fire him. So he knows his job is probably under scrutiny constantly, and he'll never be safe. But he's okay with that. Like six, he just wants a chance to make it. So mm. yeah, his one job is to find a quarterback that can throw the ball. Because Jeff Sims could not throw the ball in three years. He had just over 4,000 passing yards, mm. 30 touchdowns, 25 interceptions. That's terrible. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, he had like 1,500 rushing yards, but this this team, this last year, said we're leaving triple option. We're going to be a pro style offense. We're going to throw the ball. And they tried it this year. Mixed results. Now, change the personnel. Brent Keys, go get some good receivers, get a better O-line or teach them pass pro, find a quarterback that can throw the ball because they're ten a plenty. There's ten a penny in the portal. Get a quarterback. Then we'll see some results from Georgia Tech. Like I said, they're, they're a good team under no pressure. Like I said, they're still in transition, so no one expects anything of them. And next year, they'll cause some upsets. Like they do with UNC. Mm. No one will want to play them. So, yeah. Right. This higher... It's sound, it's sensible. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I agree that I, I think it feels sensible, and I, you know, I'm kind of glad that Willie Fritz didn't go there either. I, I, I kind of feel like that's not the one for him. I want to see him get a bit better for what he's done at Tulane. So, if he's going to get a job, I hope he goes elsewhere. Um, that's one interim head coach who did get the job. One interim head coach who did not get the job permanently, though, is the University of Alabama, Birmingham's Brian Vincent, who, despite an open letter from the entire UAB team to their athletic director pushing the case for him to get the job full-time, has still been snubbed for the role. UAB finished the season 6-6. Six and six. They were 4-4 four and four in the CUSA, but they had a three-game losing skid before winning on Rivalry Week to get bowl eligibility. Now, I remember when this happened, me and you were sort of joking about this in the Discord chat, and I said, uh, oh, you know, watch them go and, you know, ADs don't like being told what to do by players. Watch them go out and get Willie Taggart as like a big massive you to them or something like that well he surpassed even my expectations for the place he went for the next hire it is expected that former nfl quarterback trent dilfer is going to, i'm sorry trent dilfer is going to take over he is currently coaching in the high school circuit um, he's never held a college head coach position before, so this is going to be really intriguing to see what happens down in Birmingham with him at the helm and what happens with the team after the players were so stoutly snubbed in the hiring process. But I said it right, ADs don't like being told what to do. This feels like a big massive middle finger to the players there. Oh, you want this guy, do you? Well, here's Trent Dilfer. They're just going out of the portal. Fishbook <coughs> Williams will enter the portal. He tweeted it, he tweeted the letter, he won't stay. Half of that team could literally uproots and say, Do you know what? <coughs> Fuck you right back. We'll go get picked up somewhere else. So this is a disaster. Trent Delfer don't know a fucking thing about coaching his height. Like I said, wasn't even a very good quarterback. I see it was Oh, he was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. That's what we always hear. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, look how many guys have won a Super Bowl. <coughs> like that is not can't be used on a coaching resume. Like it just don't mean anything. Like say he's got no experience other than like say coaching like what fifteen year olds. And he's now going to expect it to coach grown men that's <coughs> coming off a five hundred season. No, this is a terrible move. And if it goes better than expected, like probably give him coach of the year because yeah. the players. Some will play for him, but some will be like, do you know what, no, like say, you, you've done us dirty, so I'll go play somewhere else, I'll get offers from nobody one school, so be interesting to see if any of them do put their name in the portal this week, or how many of them opt out of their bowl game. I reckon a lot will play the bowl game if you don't coach it. No. And I mean, the CUSA ain't exactly the cakewalk that it usually is at the moment. I mean, UTSA are forming, like, a legacy in there at the minute. They, they hold dominion over the CUSA. You've got Liberty, who are about to join this year. You've got Sam Houston State coming up from the FCS, who are a damn good team. And, you know, you've got some decent sides in there. Western Kentucky seems to have carried on being good. You know, this is not a conference where you can just sort of accidentally find your way to a title with a completely novice head coach so yeah um good luck to you Trent Dilfer but I just laughed when I read that because I was just like yeah just don't listen to it's your players or anything no no it's not UAB 
You were they were a good side. They didn't have a football team two no. years ago. They, were... they cancelled football for what? Three years? Yeah. They, they scrapped football and now it's a new team again. <coughs> just making mistakes again. Like I say, they've got Dwayne McBride on the best, best running back. Yeah. If he, le- if he leaves, they're screwed. Mm. You need a good running back in the CUSA. You do. It's a prerequisite of it. It's kind of league it is. So, yeah. Um, interesting to see what happens there. So that's everything in terms of hiring so far. Before I go into the firing section, Gino joined us in the YouTube chat. He says, Cape McNamara, Iowa. And then Lucky Eyes. I mean, do you expect Cade to to stay in the Big Ten? I feel like he's going to be a Big Ten quarterback next year, almost guaranteed. But Iowa, I I wouldn't want that for him. Iowa's rank. No, yeah. The head coach Ferret's like to say he's a dinosaur. He'll kill him. Mm. I think he'll go. He'll go to Minnesota, <laughs> battle Kalamanakis for that job, or he'll go to Wisconsin. I think they're the big two holes right now because like say Graham Mertz is gone, and uh, Tanner Morgan has used like his tenth year of eligibility. The guy's like forty, and so he won't be back. And he's terrible. Crap's here. <laughs> so, so those are the jobs right there. So yeah. I, if he left the Big Ten, I have no clue where I'd go. I feel like the, I feel like he's too big for the Mac. I feel like he wouldn't go there. I feel like... Oh, God, where else is up there? I don't know. I don't know where I'd see, see him after that. Does he risk Penn State? Is he going to battle Drew Aller? See, I like, the, um, I like the Wisconsin fit. You keep Braylon Allen, it's exactly what he's doing at Michigan, basically. He's got a star running back to do the load while he game manages. And that's where he's at his best. So I think Wisconsin's a perfect fit for him, personally. So If he leaves the Big Ten, Central Michigan, Western Michigan, <coughs> Eastern Michigan, do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to be a guaranteed He'd be starter. huge for them. He went to the MAC. He'd be huge. I feel like he's too big for the MAC, but... If he went, to, if any Mac team got Cade McNamara, that would be massive for them. They would instantly have a few wins notched to their toes. So, yeah, um, yeah, I reckon Cade's staying in the Big Ten. Though, right? So, like I said, not just hirings happening. Regular season is done for a lot of teams. The firings and resignations are starting to happen as well. Um, so, starting in the Pac-12. Um, Stanford Cardinals head coach David Shaw has stepped down after 12 seasons in charge after replacing one Jim Harbaugh in 2011. Shaw has had a lot of success with the Cardinals and his intellectual brutality style of football as it was named and he led Stanford to five double-digit win seasons with three Pac-12 titles and Rose Bowl appearances in his first six years as head coach. He established them as a premier Pac-12 program. Um, he finishes with more wins than any coach in program history, 96-54, and 54, and he's one of the most respected coaches in the country. By all accounts, a complete stand-up, really nice guy who you root for. But um, times have become a lot harder. The fall-off in recent years has been drastic. The Cardinals are 14-28 and 28 
over the last four seasons. They are 3-16 and 16 in Pac-12 play the last two seasons, including consecutive losses to bitter rival Cal and back-to-back 3-9 seasons. Off the field, Shaw and Stanford, they have struggled to adapt to the NIL age in college football. They've struggled with players being able to move freely in the transfer portal in and out. And they're also having a problem. There's a big disconnect with the team and student fan base at the minute, partly due to the results on the field and partly due to a big rift between the university and student bodies themselves. Over the handling of students' social time, you may remember us talking about the tree the Stanford tree getting banned from games recently um, to do with this. Um, it's really messy there at the minute. And while Stanford remains a prestigious school and the job does hold summer law, the struggle to keep a good team together there, cost of NIL issues and the background issues there at the moment, make this a very tough assignment for whoever is picked next. I mean... This is a sad one, really, isn't it, right? It had to happen. Results can't be the way it is. But what he did at the start of his tenure there and the type of coach he is, its you hate to see this happen. I don't know why he left it so late to retire. He's got no plans to coach again, he no. said. I think they've, uh, they've, they've exhausted him. I'd like to say to go 14-28. I'm surprised he didn't call it a day a year to go. Like I say, the skin... They can't match any of the uh, NALs. They can't pay anyone. They can't get players in. The roster is devoid of talent. It's a program going nowhere. And right now, holds very little weight in the Pac-12, which is probably the <coughs> bottom feeder Power 5 conference. So it tells you <coughs> right now are going nowhere. I would not take that job. Like I say, that no one gets along. No one. They're not moving in the same direction. And recruiting will be very difficult, so I just stay away from it. Yeah, it is a tough aside, you know, and it's a shame because, like I say, it used to be a prestigious job that I did not so long ago. He was doing a very good job there, but, you know, times are hard, but it does raise an opportunity. The name that's been bandied around, I don't know how much because you follow FCS more than I do, but the one that's getting a lot of traction is Sacramento State head coach Troy Taylor. I don't know, did. What do you make of that one? Would that be somewhere he'd flourish? Is he ready for a job like that? Well, Sac State have been improving the last few years. They've uh, they've really started to rack up the wins and get more relevant in the playoffs. I'd say right now they're they're one of the favourites right now. If if he if they win the playoffs, if they win the national title, he'll go. If they don't. Does he want to come back for more unfinished business? I don't know. They're, they're, they're ranked two in the playoffs, so they're, they're, they're a proper legit side. Yeah. It feels like it'd be a huge step up. Yeah. But if I were him, I'd, like, I'd consider it. Mm. Okay. Right. We'll see what happens with their job. I'm sure they're going to want to get someone in quick. More coaches gone. Willie Taggart is out at Florida Atlantic. He was looking to resuscitate his career after his debacle at Florida State, but he has followed it up, quite frankly, with three really bad years at FAU. They have not reached bowl eligibility in the last two years, and for a team that was recently winning conference titles when Lane Kiffin was there, that is simply not good enough, and Florida Atlantic have decided enough is enough after three years. Interesting 
interestingly, front runner potentially for this is brother of Lane Kiffin and defensive line coach at the Cleveland Browns, Chris Kiffin. He is getting a lot of chat in regards to this job. But as for Willie, dead man walking, his career's over. Yeah, he's. If you find work, it's not going to be an attractive school. He's had his chances. With big it's going to be as a coordinator, I feel. Yeah. And as you mentioned, he took over an FAU team that Lane Kiffin left at the highest it could be. Lane Kiffin took a load of kids from Last Chance U and won a bloody title. <coughs> and then he goes there to salvage him and he just undoes all of Lane's good work. Mm. So, yeah, FAU, like I say, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And I don't think Willie Taggart is either. No. What do you reckon about Chris Giffen going there? Is that like a nostalgia pick? Would that be a mistake? Yeah, no. Yeah. You don't know about him, like you say. No. He's got no... None of his... like non, Nothing he's done crosses over and says, great hire. Like I say, he's got no experience. Like, going from a D-line to an entire school seems like a bit of a jump to me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, right, moving on. Texas State, they have fired their head coach, Jake Spavital, after four poor seasons in charge. He finishes 13-35 and 35 while going 9-23 going and 23 in the Sun Belt. They have not even come remotely close to a threatening a bowl game in his time in charge. They've still never made a bowl game full stop. And he was known for his preference for using the transfer portal instead of recruiting locally and building his team from within that the Bobcats, Bobcats want to start afresh with someone who will build from the bottom up through recruiting. Um, Philip Montgomery has gone from Tulsa, spent eight seasons with the Golden Hurricanes and finishes with a 43-53 and 53 record. His best showing came in year two when they went 10-3, and three, but four of the last six seasons have been losing seasons and Tulsa have descended into being a bottom feeder in the American now. I feel like that's an apt statement for them. But there is a power vacuum about to open up with the departures of several of the bigger teams to the Big 12 and the arrival of a boatload of CUSA teams. Tulsa have decided that enough is enough. They need to find their guy to hopefully take them into that vacated spot at the top of the American. Um, Interesting name again here with this one, right? So, G.J. Kinney, who is the head coach at Incarnate Ward. He's a former Tulsa QB. He is getting a lot of chat for this position. Um, two deserved firings at Texas State and Tulsa, though. Yeah, Texas State. Like, If you come from Texas and you don't recruit in state, <coughs> is, in my opinion, probably one of the best states of, to recruit out of in football. It sounds a bit moronic. You can't just live off the portal. What team has ever lived off the portal that's no. not in the SEC and succeeded? Mm. Don't work. Like no one wants to go to Texas State. You can't just go to the portal. Kids in the portal get twenty-five offers. You're not going to choose Texas State, are they? So that no. is bad. And Tulsa, good team, fallen on hard times. They'll do just fine. Not terrible. What do you reckon to the incarnate war guy getting it? Possibly. Well, they've had a good year. Like the the two one or two years, Cameron Ward were there, really good. Like I said this year he's gone, still really good in the playoffs, ranked number seven, about to do a second round. So if he has a good playoff run, I think it might be time for him to depart. He's lo he's taken the the word to lofty heights that I think it's time that 
if he's an alumni as well, I think it's the best chance he's going to get to get that job if he wants it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, Tim Lester, gone from Western Michigan, the former Broncos QB, has been at Kalamazoo for six seasons, and this was his first losing season, so on the surface, this may seem really harsh, but he's not been achieving in the MAC, and our resident MAC expert, Junior, was not surprised whatsoever. He said last season they finished bottom of the MAC West, the MAC West, although they did improve to third this year. But given the state of the MAC, that's not an endorsement. And after six years, they still ain't making MAC championship games. And Western Michigan feel that enough is enough in that regard, and they want someone who will get them to the conference title games and the championship games. He finishes with a record. 37 and 32, 26 and 20 in the MAC. Again, this on the numbers when you look at them initially, are like, hmm, maybe that's harsh, but it's not. You can't win MAC titles. You gotta go. The MAC. With no disrespect to the MAC, it's winnable every year. Anyone can win the MAC. We've seen that. We've seen Toledo, Kent State. We've seen Northern Illinois. The MAC has had more winners in like last 10, 15 years than most conferences together. It changes very often. So for Western Michigan to not even have a sniff in six years is bad. Because, like I say, the, there's teams in there that are good one year and terrible the next. It's a total free-for-all. So if you can't be in the mix in the MAC, you won't keep your job. Because it's a very unpredictable, chaotic division. So at some point, you've got to be in the race to really try and win it. So the numbers just are irrelevant. Like look at uh, look at the Wisconsin fire. Mm. Like say, like say, he had what was it like sixty-one twenty-five? Yeah, sixty-three twenty-six. Yeah. He didn't do a lot. No. Didn't really make many Big Ten title games. That gets you fired. Yeah, bowl games are just not enough to sustain most programs. So five, six wins every year just won't keep your job not these days anyway no no it, it's justified you know western looked good last year i know they lost a lot to the draft this year but you know so do a lot of mac teams you know eastern eastern best of them all this year and eastern's impossible to win at but chris Crichton has them bowl games every year without fail so you know there is a standard to be set and he hasn't reached it the last one of all these and the one i have a big issue with here unlv the university of nevada las vegas have made the very surprising decision to can marcus arroyo after three seasons in charge now this is this is the opposite so yes he was 7 and 23 in his three years but he was making this team better he went 0 and 6 in the covid shortened season followed by a 2-6 and six season in 2021. But this 2022 season, they narrowly missed out on an automatic bowl game eligibility run because they went 5-7. and seven. And with quarterback Doug Blumfield, they looked a much better team. They have not been to a bowl game since 2014, and they've only had four winning seasons since 1988, which was before I was born. So it shows how hard a place it is to win. So to come so close to a bowl game in year three makes this decision for me quite shocking. And it actually has come out since then that UNLV were lined up to get a bowl game comp pick, something to do with their academic prestige rating, I believe it is. They're right at the top. So they were in line to get a bowl game for the first time in eight years, and he's turned that dumpster fire into something respectable. 
and they've still fired him. This, I don't think this one makes sense, right? Do you disagree? It must have fallen out. This has got to be behind the scenes. <coughs> <coughs> they've obviously disagreed on Summer and decided to part ways, or he's said Summer, or they've fallen out and he's been fired. It's, it's got to be, because results on the field were gradually getting better. The players were probably very fond of him and liked him. I imagine the players, a lot of them might be very vocal about this firing too, so something has to have happened. If the relationship is broken down, then I understand. But if they've just had a barney and not tried to make amends and fired him, well, they could quickly find themselves winning no up to two games a season. And they could be, in a year, could be crying for him to come back and he'll give him a big middle finger. Right, so, so. This is a weird hire, yeah. And... Another weird thing is, yeah, there's not enough six-win teams this year. So currently, like I say, they can't fill the bowl games. So they are looking at five and seven teams. So they could have made a bowl game too. Yeah. I've never heard of that. And not enough bowl-eligible <coughs> teams, which is crazy. It is. You know, a lot of the conferences are just very tight this year. It's like the MAC. Everyone's taking wins off one another. So getting to six wins has been very difficult. So, yeah, there are, I think, 78 teams who are bowl-eligible. And like I say, there's two two at least who are going to need to be picked. I think Oban are at the top of this academic prestige rating at the minute, so Oban may get one, although they don't really deserve one. And a few other teams in there, so um, yeah. Um, I don't know, we'll see. Um, Grandizer has joined us. He says, fancy this here with the lads. I'm a bit knackered, but uh, chuffed a bit to join you. How goes your day? Our day is very good. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that you have uh, come to join us this evening. Big Aries is in the Twitch chat. He has subscribed at Tier 1 to us once more. He's been subscribed for 11 months now. Thank you for that, Big Aries. We love and appreciate you very much. Um, so that is everything in terms of head coaches fired and hired. There will more doubtly a lot more going on. Um, as I mentioned, the transfer portal has kind of well, it never closes, but it has opened up again. Um, some of the more notable names that have gone in there so far, a lot of quarterbacks so far. We mentioned Cade McNamara is in there. Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech QB, is in there. Connor Basilak has gone in there. I have no idea why Connor Basilak has gone in there, because he is, what they say on Family Guy, a big fat phony. And I feel like his next appearance is probably going to be in the Mountain West or the Mac or somewhere like that. And Hudson Card, the backup quarterback for the Texas Longhorns, Quinn Ewers' understudy, has gone in as well. Um, it's been very interesting, hasn't it, Ry? Quarterbacks have been getting in there early this year. I think they saw last year what happened. Some of them missed out, so everyone's going in early. But what, what do you reckon to some of these guys like Basilak and Hudson Card? Where, where do you see them going? Uh... Basilek, like I said, failed at Missouri. Now he's failed this year at Indiana. Yeah. So he's on a downward trajectory. So he'll be lucky if he gets a Power 5 job. But it'll depend on how, if he's willing to swallow his pride. That'll probably be the thing that holds him back. If he thinks he's better than he is, I won't take a position that he won't. So I expect him to struggle. He's probably going to be one of the last picked because he'll be buying his time as options. Hudson Card, he was one of those like old elite 11, like a four-star, like a top 40 player in the nation like four years ago. Lots of talent, very little opportunity, even for all the QBs that have been recycled. He's only started a few games. 
I don't know what he's got to offer, but I think he'll probably be one of the better options. I think he will easily find work, and it should be in a Power 5 school. It's just, he'll come down to NIL. <coughs> the kid's probably making some money. Like, Texas QBs are all making money, so where can he go that can <coughs> boost his image? Where can he go that can play good football and start? So that is the hard thing. Cade McNamara can go, will go wherever he wants. Wherever a team, like say, loses a QB to the draft or the portal, he'll get good options. So yeah, they, they, they need to get in early because the best positions will go very quickly. See, I feel like Hudson Card's going to stay in the Big 12. And I feel like Texas Tech would be a great fit for him. Powered offense, a lot of weapons there, stays in state, chance for him to, you know, show what he can do. I feel like Hudson Card is going to be a Big 12 player next year, but I'm interested to see what happens with him, because he's not had a chance yet. Connor Bayslake's had a chance, Jeff Sims has had a chance, they're both useless, so... Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what goes on with that. The portal's going to get very busy the longer we go on, so we'll keep you updated what's going on with the portal. And then just to finish off the news, because, yes, after an hour, we're still on the news. Um, college football playoffs. So, after this weekend's results, Georgia are 1, Michigan are 2, TCU up to 3, USC at 4, with Ohio State and Alabama hanging around the outside do you think we found our four now or is someone else going to sneak in no if tcu lose <coughs> an ohio state win tcu are out i think michigan and ohio state will make it i think that's the only way that happens so i've seen a very big like argument developing over to or a debate developing over Twitter and I know which side I'm on here but I feel that it's very harsh for the teams in the top four to now lose and then move out against a team who doesn't have to play I mean Ohio State don't have to play a game now and they're basically saying if USC or TCU lose they're in I don't feel like that's fair. I feel like when before you get to the championship games, you should wrap up this and that they shouldn't count against the playoff rankings. I don't know. Where do you sort of fall on this? Because I don't think it's fair that Ohio State get a week off and potentially get all the reward whilst TCU might fall at the last hurdle and lose it all. That ain't their fault. It's not, but the committee <coughs> as their final test. They'll say if you're not ready for a championship, you're not ready for the playoffs. That, that's probably the way they look at it. Like I say, it's Kansas State good, but they're not great. They want revenge as well. Like, mm. You've also got to look at the game they've already played where TCU weren't convincing, but got the job done. Yeah. This is their chance now to convince the committee. If TCU get blown out, I think they will be out. I think they will be considered frauds by the committee. And an Ohio State were not relevant in their game against Michigan, and it was very one-sided. I feel like that bias will come in. I don't. There's no way Bama make it. Right? Even at Bama at six, I don't think anything can happen. Does it? Does it? Bama again. No. Does a three-loss SEC champ make it? No. LSU absolutely <laughs> not. No. USC. Now, if TCU win, that's fine. <laughs> if, US, if USC lose their title game. 
I can still see Ohio State getting in. I can see the committee just wanting Ohio State because they just like them. Mm. And I feel like a USC loss is... It's not ruled out. Like I said, they're not a shoo-in to win that game. I said, I feel like they've still got a big stumbling block and their schedule has not been that difficult. They've pretty much rolled over most teams with Caleb Williams. They've not faced many stern tests, in my opinion. But Ohio State is not done. But it would, yeah, it would be very cruel. So but we've seen them do a lot of questionable things in the past. So if both lose, both USC and TCU lose, who survives? USC, because they're the bigger and more famous program. I think they will go. I genuinely think they'll think that looks better and will get a bigger TV audience. It will. Hmm. I think they'll go down that route. I think they'd screw TCU. I feel like because they would as well. Because they want Caleb Williams there because he's the Heisman favourite as well. So hmm. they want him in the playoffs so he can be, oh, rah, rah. Like I say, that would. I could see USC would go to three, Ohio State would go to four, all the other way around, and yeah. TCU would be like seven. TCU would plummet. Yeah, I mean. I feel like TC- I feel like they're going to find any way to screw TCU. So TCU just need to win, and I hope they do because I've kind of got a little bit invested in them now. Um, I mean, think looking at these playoffs, how they're coming. Who, who do you get the vibe around at the minute for being natty champions? Who who who, who do you look at and go? I, I think it's going to be them. See, I was thinking this the other day, and I'm just I don't even think I'm still sure. Who could do it? Because at the minute it would be TCU, Michigan, and Georgia, USC. But I feel like USC have the firepower to take Georgia down on the day. But I don't, TCU, I don't think they stand a chance against Michigan. Their defense is just flimsy. Hmm. And I think if Blake Corum can get health there, I think he'll run through them like a knife through butter. Hmm. And... I think that'll hurt them. And then their defense can take the ball away. So I feel like Michigan is a step too far to TCU. Yeah. If if they're over able to overcome Michigan, I think that Max Duggan can can win the Heisman. But he's gotta beat Michigan to do it. Like, yeah. there's no way there's no way on earth without them winning one playoff game he can win it. But I'd say right now, I feel like Georgia v USC will be an absolute gunslinging shootout. Mm. I feel like Michigan and TCU will be more grinding ground yeah. and pound points in. But yeah, I'd go, I'll say Georgia-Michigan. I think, For the I think Michigan yeah, I think Michigan have got a chance. I will not rule out Michigan. Their defense is still solid despite losing a lot of players. Yeah. Uh, so the pass rush isn't as much there, but Georgia, we've seen them struggle. Mm. We've seen... Stetson Bennett make mistakes. I'd say like they've got the star tight ends, they've got the running backs, but yeah, they're they're prone to lapses of judgment error. So I feel like yeah, unless something happens, it'll be Georgia v Michigan. Mm, I can feel that's where I'm going, but we'll see. We'll see what the final ones are next week when the games are done. Uh, Grandizer says, "Good God, Anthony, you still sick? That coffee's still deep." I apologise, Grandizer. 
I'm not actually sick anymore. I'm just at the end. I've got like that tickly type cough now where I can't stop coughing because my chest feels like it's getting tickled. So I apologise. I'm trying to keep it to a minimum, but I'm mostly better now. So, uh, right, that is everything in terms of the news. We'll take a little look more in depth at like the the positional awards next week, the Boletnikov, all those things. They aren't going anywhere, and we've got we've got a lot to discuss over the off season. So we'll talk a bit more about them next week. Um, right, let's move it on out of the news and we will move it over to Ryan so the FCS playoffs as I mentioned on last week's show you get a first round a second round quarterfinals semi-finals final well the first round took place this weekend just going I did do the rundown of the fixtures I am going to hand this over to Ryan now and he can let us know what happened in the first round of the FCS playoffs so over to you Ryan Interesting first round. So, Delaware took down St. Francis, Pennsylvania, 56-17 in a lopsided score. In the second round, they will meet number one, South Dakota State Jackrabbits. New Hampshire and Fordham put on an offensive clinic. New Hampshire won 52-42. The Rams were ranked, I think, three places above them. So, you could call that a potential upset. The winner, New Hampshire, will meet number eight, the Holy Cross Patriots, and I feel like they're going to give them a proper run for their money. UN, UNH have got some uh, some heavy scoring. Gardner Webb took down Eastern Kentucky 52-41 in another high-powered shootout. They will meet the Tribe, number five, William & Mary. <laughs> Weber State, they took down North Dakota. They won a great run, Weber State, 38-31. And their next player, number four, Montana State, that is my prediction of the upset for this round. I think Weber State can take down number four, Montana State. They've got high-powered offense, a good defense, and they've been very wary this year. And the big upset of the first round of the playoffs, so Montana, I thought their playoff place was in trouble. They'd lost to Montana State. They'd lost to Weber State. They dug it out with wins against like Cal Poly, like 60-0. They snuck in at 7-4 in quarter three. They were 24-3 down to Semo, who were 9-2. and two, And they would go on to score 31 and answer points at the start of the third quarter, or half of the third quarter. They took a kick return to the house, and that was all she wrote. They upset Semo 34-24 with a high-powered offense for one and a half quarters. They dug themselves out of a real hole to move to 8-4. and four, And they will now move on to play number three, North Dakota State University. So... That's definitely one for the books. I did not see Montana getting past them because they feel like they'd limped into the playoffs after losing. Was it the was it the rumble in the jungle? What was it called? The brawl Rivalry. of the wild. Oh, college wild, game yeah. day. I think they lost like fifty-five twenty-one, and I thought yeah, that they got their ass handed to them. The playoffs, yeah. But that is a big upset, and they overturned a really big deficit with like only a quarter to play. So I'd be probably pretty upset if I was a semi fan. They had that one in the bag and they blew it. Uh, a field goal was enough for southeastern Louisiana. They took down Idaho 45-42 in another very back and forth scoreline. Round two, they meet number six, Stanford. And then two games where a lot left to be decided by one team. Furman, they blasted Elon 31-6 and will take down will we'll take on number seven UIW in Carrot Word. I think Furman have probably got a chance there. And Richmond, 
4-1-0. They shut out Davidson in the playoffs. These are two teams that were like ranked like between like 20 and 25, and they will go to number two Sacramento State. That is going to be very difficult there. So, yeah, I'd be watching Weber State to take down one of the top four against Montana State. I feel like that could be a fun game to watch there. But Montana, number three NDSU. Montana have got nothing to lose. They, they struggle to get to the playoffs, but they get a big upset in the first round. So they've got everything to lose and nothing to gain. And speaking of the transfer portal, uh, a big transfer portal in the FCS. Monmouth Hawks, their QB, Tony Musket, has decided to enter the portal. He was the 2021 Freshman of the Year in his conference. He's got 6,000 yards in two years, and 51 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. They're the best QBs in the FCS, and he's got two years of eligibility left, so he's left them after two good years. So He might be in the FBS next year. I feel like he could be someone that makes the jump up, so that is a very <laughs> high-profile name into the portal. And the Hawks are going to do well to replace him. So I'll see if any more big names jump in. But yeah, we're, we're set for some fun second round games this week. I think some of these ranked sides are going to fall. So I, I remember you calling it pretty well last year when we did this. But um, where's where's the feeling lying in terms of who's going to win the lot or who's getting to the final? Who Who do you have the inkling is going to be the one who gets there? I think Sacramento State. Number two in the nation. I think I think they're winning it all. They have been blowing away sides all year. And because they're not San Diego State, they're not... I mean, South Dakota State, because they're not a Dakota side, they've not got that much love in the actual name because they're not the big Jackrabbit side. But yeah, I feel like number two is the team to watch this year. But I feel like Holy Cross... One of the only three undefeated teams, I think, in the FCS Nation went like 11-0. The eight, and they only play in the Patriot League, but I wouldn't rule them out. Montana State got to the final last year from number eight. I feel like Holy Cross could win a round or two as well, so I feel like there's there's some scalps there to be had. If I was Samford, if I was uh, Incarnate Word, if I was like William and Mary, I'd be worried about the second round. They're ranked five, six, and seven. I think at least one of them will fall. There you have it. If I see a little bit of action on the FCS, Sacramento State, that is the resident expert's prediction. So he did pretty well last year, that's all I'm going to say. Right, thank you for that, Ryan. That is the latest in the FCS. So, like I said, the second round is this weekend. So next week we will know what the quarter-final matchups are for this. So really exciting stuff as far as that goes. So let's move it from the FCS and let's move it into the FBS because Ryan, rivalry week this week and boy oh boy, it did not disappoint. I don't know how much you got to watch been away um, in the Americas and whatnot, but... There were some ding-dong battles this week. I, I said to the guys last week when they were doing their predictions, I said, don't just follow favourites. Favouritism goes out the window for some of these games because these rivalries are intense, they're heated, and they don't care for betting odds because you will get upsets here, there, and everywhere. And Oh, we got we some this week, didn't we? Yeah, we called, we called some of these ones. I loved it. Let, 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 let's start talking about some of these games here. We, we got some bangers this week. So like I say, always if you get in the title of the show, we talk about first this week's episode, Oregon. Well, I mean, 
if any team, the, 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 red, the phrase is shit the bed this week, no one did it more so than the Oregon Ducks who saw their Pac-12 title hopes eviscerated by the most unlikely of comebacks from in-state rivals Oregon State. I said this to Matt and Ash last week, I said Oregon State are low-key a good side, they are at home and they can upset you and Oregon, they leave most of their upsets, their faux pas, their bad days when they're on the road and boy oh boy did they. This was a really fun game to watch. The first half very competitive. Um, Oregon took a 14-10 lead into the break. Highlights an unbelievable elbow catch from Chase Cota. Um, he was in the end zone fighting for it with the DB. Bonix had tossed it up in the air. And he was literally fighting with this guy, hands on everything. And he somehow managed to get the ball wedged in between his elbow and his arm, hit the ground, still make the catch. One of the most unreal things I've seen in a long time. Chase Cota had a massive day for Oregon, but that was great. Um, Christian Gonzalez had a pick which he plucked out of midair. The Oregon State QB had a rotten day all told, but this all happened in the second half. So another pick in the third from Oregon State, their quarterback was useless, Ben Goldbranson. He went 6 of 30 for 60 yards and two interceptions, but that started off a big Oregon run, including an Oregon State fumble, so it went all the way to 31-10 with four minutes left in the third quarter, and then at the start of the fourth, it was 34-17 to Oregon. So the clock as it ran, so at 13.30 to go in the fourth, it was 34-17. By 13-25, Oregon State got a touchdown on an all-run drive. They stopped passing it at this point. They just like, wiggle, run it down your throat, stop us, and Oregon couldn't. Converted it, 34-24. 12-26 on the clock. Oregon, muff a punt, give the ball back right on their own one-yard one line. The punter dropped it, had to drop on the ball, took the tackle, Touchdown next play. The QB nearly screws that up as well. The ball pops up out of his hands when he's trying to push it over the line. But thankfully for him, he caught it, recaptured it, went in 34-31 to Oregon. 9.41 on the clock. Oregon stuffed on their own 21, turning the ball over on downs in one of the most idiotic decisions I've seen from a head coach ever. They were 4th and 1 on their own 29. They've just given up two quick touchdowns. They went for it. Bo Nix got stuffed. One minute later, Oregon State basically rugby scrummed it into the end zone. It was great. It's like the old-fashioned scrum. Just six or seven of them got him, shoved it right over the line for a touchdown. 38-34 Oregon State in, what, four minutes? Three touchdowns can turn the game on the head. Oregon spent most of the time left trying to find a winner, but ultimately they came up short and turned it over again. Oregon State needed one first down and to kneel it out and they got it very questionable spot not gonna lie but they got it there I mean Jesus Ryan this was the capitulation of all capitulations from Oregon they just they should not have lost this game but they did and fair play to Oregon State yeah it was one of those <coughs> <coughs> like I said 
The QB, absolutely useless. Literally, defense, special teams, and running the ball is the reason they won this game. And Oregon, bad decision-making. Like I say, Oregon State, they won the game, but they didn't really. Oregon lost it. Like yeah. the, if the Lions went for it on our own 29 on fourth and one after conceding touchdowns in two minutes 20 back-to-back with the game on the line, I would blast Dan Campbell to the moon and back. I would be furious. And it's just not the time to be aggressive. There's so much time left on the clock. Yeah. Look at where you are on the field. You've got to have a little bit of awareness you are of where you are on the field. And I don't know, like I say, the play design wasn't great. Bonix is big, he's fast, but since losing Troy Die, like I say, they lost their star back, didn't they, Oregon? So they lost yeah. their star running back. Bonix having to do all the dirty and leg work too, but they saw it coming all the way. They knew it was going to be like a keeper up the middle or a sneak, and they just stacked the box and they stuffed him. And momentum, gone. That was it. Oregon were just, they were zapped. They were never going to get back in the game. And despite floundering like a fish and having the ball for a good seven minutes, even though they were only four down, to muster nothing. Nothing in response. And they had a half of a quarter to respond to get one score, and they couldn't do it. It was dreadful. People keep saying, like, well, Arizona State have just hired the guy that was part of that demise. And they were right. Offensive calling was absolutely woeful in that quarter. It was just a total mess. But mm. Oregon State hung in there with no QB because Gold Branson was useless, basically a court rack, a handoff merchant. But, yeah, <laughs> Oregon. And, as you mentioned, the biggest game of the year. It cost Oregon their place in the Pac-12 title game. Yep. When they couldn't, they knew they could have got help, but you can't rely on help. You've got to get the job done yourself. Because as all mentioned, they didn't get the help they thought they'd get, and yeah, they blew it. No, nope. Nix now, he's going to be <coughs> heading to the draft after that cataclysm of errors, not winning the Pac-12, not getting a championship or anything like that. And he'll be really disappointed. Oregon were really good in the not first game. Not last game, but everything in between was really good. Yeah. Bonix was fantastic for the majority of it. But when it counted, the big game with Georgia, the game to seal the place and title spot, they just were found wanting at critical moments. And it's a big black blemish on Dan Leeming as well. Mm. Terrible head coach decisions. That is not what you want to do when you're first year as a head coach. No. Fluff a, fluff a championship game like you did. And to your rivals. I mean, you, Oregon State are going to be basking in this win for years. They're going to say, remember how you could have had that Pac-12 championship game? You remember how you could have had more? Yeah, we came from three scores down in four minutes <laughs> to take the lot away from you. And yeah, it was... That cost in the Pac-12 next year, it, Oregon State. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, I think they've got a good defense for the most part. You know, the offense is tough. It ain't flashy, but it does what it needs to do. Runs the ball well. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Oregon State this year. And I picked them in our pick watch. I said to the guys, I said, don't just believe it's Oregon. They will screw up on the road. And they did screw up on the road. So there we have it. Um, we had a first-time chat in Twitch from Dan Gardace 12 He said they tried to give it the old college try. Yes, they did. And he also says, good to see a college show on Twitch. Hey, we appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. And, 
yeah, giving us your time. We really, we really do appreciate all of you who are in here with us. Uh, King SJ said, I think I'm dealing with the same cough you had. It sucks. Yes, it absolutely does suck. I kind of just want to get onto podcasting without coughing every two seconds. Western Lions in, he goes, hi, Ant, thought I'd check you out with no time difference. And then goes, that sounds like our coaching at the Pats. Yes, it sounds like our coaching at the Lions sometimes as well. It's just... Guys named Dan love making dumb decisions at some points, I think. Although our Dan's getting a lot better at it. Uh, Grandizer goes, I have a deep cough by proxy. I'm sorry, Grandizer. I'm trying. I'm doing this while I'm sick. I'm, I'm putting out content when I'm not well, so give, give me a bit of slack there. Um, moving it on, um, the Egg Bowl. Oh, the Egg Bowl was another, which was so, so much fun. And I was here last week on the show going, I want to say mistake, I want to say mistake, I want to say mistake, but I just felt like I can't say mistake. I just feel like old Miss are going to win this and damn it mistake won <laughs> they won this one 24 to 22 at old miss despite will rogers doing everything he could to throw or should i more say fumble this game away i think there are three that i remember in here but this was a cracking rivalry game and what it is all about about. There were sacks, there were picks. Lane Kiffin's kid was crowd surfing the old Miss squad with a fire extinguisher in his hands, firing it off into the crowd. It was this game was pure and utter chaos, and Miss State pulled it out in the fourth quarter. They managed to get into the lead late on, and old Miss were never never able to recover. Will Rogers, 27 of 39, 239 yards, two touchdowns, a pick. Jaquavius Marks did a, he did alright in the circumstances. 14 carries, 76 yards. Dylan Johnson, 12 carries, 73 yards. They were averaging 5 and 6 yards per carry on hold, so Miss State running the ball well. As for as for Old Miss, I mean, Jackson Dart, he is who he is. He was 30 of 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns, which sounds like a good stat line for QB, but they needed him to win this game for them, and he was unable to do so. Quidshawn Junkins had a quiet day, 22 carries, 91 yards, just four yards per carry. So I was really impressed with how Miss State bottled him up there. But, I mean... You know, you, you follow these missed sides a lot, right? I mean, I know we know Will Rogers, the air raid offense. You know, it is what it is. On its day, it looks great. Off its day, it looks terrible. Old Miss, steady season. But, I mean, I said it was never easy. They were coming in in a two-game skid. They finished on a three-game skid. They went from, what, 7-0 and this season to 8-4. and Great game here. Um, but, you know, mistake pulled it out of the bag. I think Miss State in the last few years have got a good record in the Egg Bowl. I know they weren't last year. I'm pretty sure they weren't last year too. Uh, they always seem to have all Miss's number. In the last few years, they've they've come out on top in a lot of their meetings. And I think Lane had three in a row in the Egg Bowl before this. But yeah, I know it's, what you mean. It's, it's a weird one. <coughs> Ole Miss were not very good. Like you said, Jackson Dart. I said in the Discord over there. Plays fine, but does not win games. This was one of those weeks where did just fine, but he did not win the game. And I just don't think he's got that in him. Can't always rely on a run game. Like I said, Judkins is great, but when someone... We know Miss State has got a good defensive front. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they, they bottled up Judkins as well as they could. Like I said, giving up 91 yards to him is, is fine. He usually shreds teams. 
So they kept him in check and they managed to always hang on to the coattails. And then adversity at the end, like you say, Rodgers coughs the ball up in a bad spot. And the defence really comes up trumps. Like I said, when they needed them to when they needed it to they got it done and saw it out in the end and I don't know, I, I love Link if he's a person. I think he's my favourite coach. Fire on Twitter he's great, but the collapse of the old Miss Rebels this year is kind of worrying. I don't think I'd have given an extension. Oh. No. Just because of the Auburn interest, they didn't have to give him an extension. They no. have to pay him all. Like, I don't think I'd have committed my, any more future to him. I love the guy, but as you mentioned, like eight and zero at some point, and then like say four games skid losing games that they shouldn't do. Like it's worrying. It's alarming. Yeah, it's a bad end to the year. Um, it's it, it's it's not real. It's not good at all. And I say in this one, they they had it. But they just were not able to see it in. I mean, we did get a big man touchdown in this one. We got a defensive big man touchdown in this one. JJ Pergesa. I was massively impressed with this guy. I must admit, I've, I you watch them a bit more than me. I've not really seen much of him so far. But he got a big man tuddy. He was a defense. He's a defensive tackle. They bought him in for a heavy duty package and had him as an eligible receiver, and, and they got him. And I think he had something stupid like five or six tackles for loss in the game as well. The guy was everywhere. He's 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 hit my radar now. But I don't know if you know more about him than I do. But guy had a barnstormer. Yeah, he's one of those good classes of defensive <laughs> linemen. Yeah, he's a tackle machine. The Miss State team, he's later to players. We've got corners, Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes. Two of the best in the SEC. Yeah. Martin Emerson just led the nation with six picks. They're both going to get drafted and in the coming years. Miss State makes corners. Yeah, and that's the frustrating thing about them because you can see all the talent on this Miss State team, can't you? And they just can't seem to convert it into like legitimate aspirations to do more in the SEC than they already do so you know it's yeah I don't I don't get this but they did their job in this so the defense 16 tackles for loss mistake 11 of them in the run game against Quidshawn Jenkins, who's an amazing amazing running back he's going to be the one of the best in college football but they stopped that run game and they put it on Jackson Dart it's exactly how you beat this old Miss team, isn't it? Put it on the QB, who's bog, bog standard. Yeah, they need to upgrade. He's got to go. He's got to be replaced. Ole yeah. Miss cannot win an SEC championship with Jackson Dart unless he makes some weird transformation. thing. I just don't see it, though. I don't no. see it in his game. I don't see it in his attitude, either. He's always just right, relaxed. He just never looks to me enough focused or lazy in. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think he's the guy for for uh, Lane Kiffin, unfortunately. No. So I'd love I'd love Arch Manning to change his mind and uh, open his recruitment again. <laughs> That'd be fun to watch. Manning <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, this oh, yeah. team is losing more talent. Yeah. And AJ Finley, the star safety, is about to go to the draft. I think yeah. there's guys out there that they're not making the most of what they've got. They didn't make the most of. Uh, NWO nasty wideouts. Yeah. They had uh, Lodge, they had AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. They didn't make the most of those. No. It's a school that is just known for wasting talent. That's Sam an Williams insane receiver core, isn't it? <laughs> it's insane. 
But yeah, I, I'm like, I, I would love to see Archman indeed commit and go to Old Miss. Him and Judkins would be unbelievable together, but there's probably a reason he's avoided it. And like you say, they waste talent. Um, oh no, we have bots in the building. Sorry about that, guys. Um, King SJ goes, credit to you for doing the podcast with that cough. Thank you very much. I was losing my mind in the stands when the Lions went for it on fourth down in their own end. Lucky it did not backfire. Oh yeah, that one against the Bill. Ooh, yeah. Dan, Dan was lucky that got done. But we didn't do it at the end of the game when it mattered. That really pissed me off. But, oh uh, well. Um, Grandad goes, give Anthony a lot of slack. Also, give the bloke a lot of joke and pranks as well. Look, we love having you in Grandizer. So say whatever the hell you want. Um, it's all good fun. Um, right. We're going to talk about it now. It's the game we've been wanting to mention. The big game. It's the one that the Big Ten revolves around and comes down to and sends the team who's going to the college football playoffs. And for the last month, for the last month, I've been saying Michigan by three scores, Michigan by three scores. Even Michigan fans were like, hey, pump the brakes a little minute here. You know, that, that's not going to happen. I saw these two teams, Ohio State against Northwestern, convinced me they did not have the bottle when they were getting slugged. To get through. The only reason they beat Northwestern is because they're Northwestern. And there's no talent on that team to to capitalise on them playing bad. I said the second they get face-to-face with Michigan, Michigan are going to roll over them. Ohio State had them on the ropes early in this one. You know, the young that young stud receiver they've got, Ebuike, I think, is he got a touchdown? Michigan could not run the ball to save their lives. I think zero net yards over the first eight carries. Ohio State had them on the ropes, just needed to land a knockout blow to put all this behind them. They couldn't do it. They couldn't put Michigan away. And Michigan came off the ropes, smacked them in the face, and Ohio State had no answer to it. And lo and behold, what happens? Michigan 45, Ohio State 23, 22 point margin of victory. Three scores exactly as I said there. And this showed just how fraudulent a team Ohio State are. They have a cakewalk schedule. You saw them struggle this year. But Ryan, I mean, when it came to it, without their star running back, Donovan Edwards showed up, didn't early, but he got the touches when he needs to. That game switches on that one play, that first touchdown. What the hell Ohio State are doing selling the house and the next three mortgages on it on that one play and leaving themselves completely unprotected down the field, it burnt them and they never recovered. Yeah, the 75-yard touchdown to the house, that that was the play that the wind, the, the, everything, it was just like all, they just deflated like someone had like unplugged a uh, bouncy castle. That, and then they were always chasing the game. And we've now learned that CJ Stroud can't play from behind. No. Two bad picks. Bad picks because <coughs> the team was losing. He was under pressure. Two bad throws, like I say, two th- picks he'd want behind. Mike Sinisteril, I think it, I he was amazing. It. Fantastic game, yeah. That pass people break. Say he's the best nickel, yeah. People say he's the best like nickel corner in the draft, and that he's suddenly <coughs> put his name out everyone's lips now. He had a great game, but Michigan defense in general was really good. We've now learned that without Trayvon Henderson, 
OSU has no run game. No. It, there's just no depth behind them. Even though they've got a lot of guys, none of them are just, just none of them are good. Neon was hurt, and you could see it yep. the way he was playing. It's like yep. every running back worth a damn in this game was injured. The team's top two running backs were injured, but Donovan still came to play. <coughs> yeah, like I said, Marvin Harrison, great. Like I said, <coughs> Ohio State have missed Jackson Smith and Jigba mm. dearly for many weeks now. Even though they've been winning games, he's the kind of guy that is he's a game changer and he's been unavailable for most of the year and people keep mocking him in drafts. The kid's going to come back to school. He's missed nearly <coughs> a whole year. I think he'd be silly to enter the draft. Oh, God, yeah. Because he will slide. I really think they should tell him to return. People need to stop mocking him because I don't think he's going this year. But, yeah, big losses. But Ohio State secondaries of yesteryear are gone. Wincing at this game. Yeah. JJ McCarthy, he just lit them off. I say he took his chances, he took his shots when he needed to. He's not been known for airing it out because he's never had to. But we know Blake Corum, it's the Donham Edwards that was steady, carrying the rock. But yeah, took his shots, played really well. And yeah, Ohio State, their defense, when it's called upon and relied upon, it's really quite average. Mm. They just don't need it most weeks because they've got high-powered offense. But when <laughs> someone slows them down, that defense, it's just not good enough. I just don't think it's good enough to compete with the big boys. But th- and this is the problem I have with Stroud. Everyone goes, well, why do you have such a problem with him? He throws all these touchdowns. But one, as you've said, he can't fight from behind. He's lost a big game twice now. Now, I know technically last year wasn't really on him, but still it kind of is as a quarterback. You've got to keep making plays, keep, keep putting points up, and he didn't. And I know he blamed Flu in the end, but you know you can't do that. And in this one, he had them where he wanted them, up early. The opportunity... To put them away and he didn't. Do you know on third and short they are ranked I think about 110th in the nation. In those third and clutch situations we saw it against Northwestern a lot. They can't convert the amount of third and ones, fourth and ones they're stuffed on. I mean you kind of want more leadership from your quarterback there. He epitomizes the team. The team follows his lead. They follow his example and Ohio State just have no spine I feel like they've no spine when they're challenged. And the most surprising thing was the explosive plays. You know Michigan's explosive play rate was 17%. That's one in every five, you know, offensive snaps was a big play, which defines more than 20 yards. That's insane. It's 99th percentile. You can't really get better than that. They just... Whether it was Donovan Edwards running the ball or Cornelius Johnson skinning them through the air... Just Michigan just had so much on them. They're not known for being an explosive offense, but fair play to them. Yeah, I think <coughs> recruiting wise, I think Ohio State next year needs to go defense. They need to stop worrying about their offense. Their offense can score points. Yeah, defense though. Since the likes of like Bosa has gone, Chase Young has gone. Like, there's no guy. No. It's just, just the, the defense. Most defenses in college have that guy. They don't. Ohio State does not have that guy that is able to take the game by the scruff of a neck or make a big play or a big stand like when it's needed by. They're just units and they're just carried. They're carried by an explosive offense. And that is a worrying sign. 
There's people out there saying Ryan Day could be fired. I won't go that far. That feels like a little bit of an exaggeration, but I feel like Ryan Day has certainly got things to prove now. He's definitely got a lot of critics because Ohio well, State seasons have not ended well now in his tenure there. So I feel like next year something has got to change. Well, they said he's he's halfway towards his total. He said he said that last year they'd drop a hundred on Michigan. Well, it's taken him two years to get halfway. So in four years, he should have made his one hundred point total against them. But I think you should. If you are in a conference where it all all it comes down to is one game, I mean, would you take ten years of eleven and one if you lost a big game every year and never got to a conference game or a playoff? You wouldn't accept that, would you? Even though you'd be 110, you wouldn't accept that, would you? No, because you're a loser. Exactly. I feel like that's why Day's job should be under consideration, because he talks smack. He talks the talk. Where was his team in this one? They got smacked around. And, they, you know, Michigan didn't even need to be that good. Big Aries raised a point in Twitch. He says, J.J. McCarthy was 12 of 24. You know, watch the game and laugh with five minutes in the third, realise Michigan wouldn't complete another pass. I mean, yeah. It, 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 it's like, JJ was alright. He needed to be what he needed to be. Of the deep passes, they were kind of wide open. But he wasn't special. It's not like he went out there and made a career-defining performance and they still won comfortably. I mean, I was shocked in the... I know I said three scores in that, but I just... The way they capitulated for me was just this summer. I know people said, oh, they were still in it in the fourth, but they weren't. They weren't. You could just tell. They didn't have the stones to um, to compete with them. So, well done, Michigan. Ohio State, you do not deserve to be anywhere near the playoffs, and I hope USC and TCU win this coming weekend. But again, fun play by the by Ohio State ran 20 more offensive plays than Michigan that just says about everything it was um, the run game was not good on the day um, what was it well, I say that 151 yards so to 262 for Michigan so yeah they couldn't get the run game going and that was that um, let us move it on because we have more to talk about and there are more rivalry games now Ryan I have to mention it you mentioned that your 2,200 day or so hold on the Territorial Cup came to an end. You've been warning me for months this is going to happen. I still thought Arizona State would win this just because the week before, DeLaura threw four picks and he did not look good when they lost the other week. I wonder whether Arizona had the mental fortitude to break such a streak because when you've not won in so many years, start playing with your mind as to whether you can actually do it. But do it, they did. Arizona 38, Arizona State 35. I mean, Talaura wasn't even really good in this. 12 of 23, 200 yards and a pick. So that's five picks thrown into the last two games. This was all about the running back, Michael Wiley. 12 carries, 214 yards at 17.8 yards per carry with three touchdowns. He also had three receptions for 51 yards as well. A 265-yard day for him. I mean, the Arizona defense came in. They had a couple of picks on the day as well. Trenton Bourget, 37 of 49, 376 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. 
Zavian Valade is Zavian Valade. You mentioned he's one of the best running backs in the country. This was no different. 97 yards and two touchdowns, although only averaging four yards a carry on the ground. He had three receptions for 17, so 100 all-purpose on the day. Giovanni Sanders had eight receptions for 120 yards and a touchdown in the air. Elijah Badger, 92 and a touchdown. Jalen Connors, 76 yards and a touchdown. Um, Arizona, you said they were threatening it, Ryan. And they delivered on that threat. Yeah. See, I was on a state defense. That's been all year. It's just bad. I say we've scored points in a lot of games. <coughs> we've, had the, we've had the ground game. We've had two serviceable quarterbacks. We've got some great young... I think Giovanni Sanders and Elijah Badger, both like freshmen. Both so far, like two young kids that have been catching a lot of balls this year. The defense, though... That litmus paper, it's it's just soft. Defensive backs have all gone to the draft. Like I say, we've lost Jack Jones, we've lost uh, Darian Butler last year, we lost uh, Chase Lucas, the Lions. Three leaders on that secondary or linebacker room, all gone. Uh, we lost our uh, layer. We lost our star defensive tackle. Went to Louisville and at the portal last year. Defense was rinsed by the transfer portal. They had enough and just left. Bare bones. The defense has just been getting slaughtered weekly. So I predicted this. I knew we'd lose. I didn't know. I thought it'd be by more. They put up a good fight. I think the two picks were probably very costly, but I'll let Borgé off because he's only had the starting job for about a month now. Like I say, he's he's only a young sophomore. So Itemri Jones is the reason why they've struggled all year. Big high profile portal comes in from Florida. Not been very good. It's not reliable. Just didn't bring on any of that big reputation with him and didn't live up to it. So, yeah, 3-9. and nine, Worst record for years. Lost the cup. No ball game. Started from scratch, basically. And Arizona. Jacob Cowan went to the draft in the next year or two. Jane Delora will as well. Probably make a fascinating draft prospect in a year or two. But while they've got them, Arizona are in a good place. And I reckon they're probably going to win a few more games in the next few years as well. So the tide has definitely turned in the state of Arizona in the near future. I was about to say, it seems like Jed Fish has it going there, doesn't he? He seems... Yeah, he's a good hire. Yeah, you don't you don't have the flashy players, but he's made a good team there. And I, I, I kind of watched this and I was really impressed with him. Like I said, I didn't know how the one week beforehand would do it, but... They, they, they did what they needed to do and they were able to eke it out. But again, another fantastic game for Rivalry Week. And the Territorial Cup is returning with the Wildcats, but the Sun Devils will be back for it soon. You can guarantee that. Right, let's have a look at a few of the others. Team who's finished off the season surprisingly well. And it's actually... I, I had no idea this was an 8-4 and four team at the end of the season because I thought they'd been much worse than this. South Carolina, fresh off dropping 63 on Tennessee the other week when unfortunately Hendon Hooker was injured and yeah, thoughts to him and such a serious injury there. But they go and follow that up by dropping 31 on Clemson, beating Clemson and ruining whatever realistic chance they had left a playoff home. This is a team who've they've dropped 90 in their last two games. They've finished 8-4 and four, for which is can only be described as a reasonably respectable season 
now all is said and done. This was this was the South Carolina team we expected to see at the start of the season with the massive investments they made in the transfer portal. Spencer Rattler went there. The um, tight end Stogner went there. You know they had some really good players on their books, and they finally seem to have got it together here. They took the lead with ten minutes left in this game, and Clemson just never looked like they were going to get back into it. They only scored seven second half points. Uh, Carolina scored pretty reason, pretty consistently after the first quarter was done. Clemson were a few scores up early, but Spencer Rattler, he's done what he needs to. 25 of 39, 360 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. No run game to speak of for South Carolina. They had about 50 yards on 22 carries, although Jaheim Bell managed to get a rushing touchdown. Antoine Wells Jr., their outstanding wide receiver, nine receptions, 131 yards, two touchdowns on the day for him for Clemson well DJU we thought he was having a renaissance this season but unfortunately these last few games have uh, shown that he's still just as fraudulent as he was before 8 of 29 99 yards a touchdown and an interception he ran 12 times for 51 yards had a touchdown as per usual it was all down to Will Shipley 15 carries 132 yards, 8.8 yards a clip, and a touchdown there. And the defense also mucked in on this one to get them up to 30. Jeremiah Trotter had a sack, an interception, eight tackles on the day. Trenton Simpson, the Lions' favorite linebacker, or Lions' fans' favorite linebacker, had himself a decent game as well. But um, disappointing end to what was seemingly a better season for Clemson, but for South Carolina... Optimism for the future, maybe? It's a weird one, because... <coughs> Rat- Rattler's still been terrible all year. Mm. They seem to win in spite of him, so... I'm, I don't know, I'm not optimistic at all. I don't know who the backup is or the next guy is, but these additions they've brought in... On Austin Stogner, for a fact, has not done naff all all year. I know he's had like injuries in the past, but... He came with a good reputation, but not lived up to it. Jaheim Bell, see, he he was a good transfer. I say he has brought some reputation, comes from a big program, has done well. But Shane Beam has managed to get wins that I'd say they don't deserve, in spite of their quarterback and lack of run game, which I suppose deserves some credit in a way for coaching. Trying, he's had a good year, despite I'd say a lack of talent and a very disjointed team. Uh, yeah, it was a good. They spoiled the party. Clemson, just pretenders out there. DJ Ungalele, Clemson's career's over. Yeah, he's got, he's got two choices. He goes to the portal or he goes to the XFL, <coughs> or the USFL. He will not make the NFL. I guarantee. Like uh, we saw, like Jan Taamu went to the XFL, really good. Had workouts in the NFL. DJ Ungalele, that is going to be his only way now. He's going to have to go to the USFL or the XFL, I think. That is that is the kind of play I've seen from him in the last two years. Yeah. Just not good enough. I feel like if he enters the portal, he's he's going to struggle to get picked up. Especially he's the Cade Club Five. It's Cade Klubnik's team now. Cade Klubnik and Will Shipley. And I even don't know what to expect from Cade. I've only seen flashes in this year. I think this Clemson team next year is still in trouble. Yeah. Still not have the answer. Like I say, Will can only be relying so heavily. 
that's a very fraudulent Clemson Tigers side. Even though they went unbeaten, I, I expect them to lose the title game. Yeah, uh, I, I do as well. And like that, the Atlantic Coastal, it's becoming more competitive. You know, Florida State seem to be on the rise a bit again there. You've got even the bottom feeders, Duke, are rising up. You've got Georgia Tech, they've got the new coach now. It's, it's not an easy place. <coughs> it's not an easy place. So, yeah, I... I thought there was hope for DJ, but no, there is not. Um, right, let's move on to a few others. Um, talking of frauds, LSU. I, I had a weird suspicion that they might lose this one, just because I wanted to see theoretically what would happen if they won the SEC and whether they would let a three-loss team in. But LSU wiped out by Texas A&M, who've had their worst season in forever on Aaron and are an awful side. This wasn't close. Texas A&M 38, LSU 23, A&M, Connor Weissman, the quarterback, 12 of 18, 155 yards and two touchdowns. Good for him. Devon A-Chain, poor old Devon A-Chain, has had to carry that entire team on his back all season. 38 carries, 215 yards, Two touchdowns, nearly six yards a clip over 38 carries. The man is a machine who has been disrespected in this draft cycle, but he had a hell of a day. For LSU, their running back John Emery Jr. had nine carries, 55 yards, three touchdowns himself, so good day for him. But Jaden Daniels, 21 of 35, 189 yards. Um, defense did nothing, no sacks, no interceptions, no nothing, no run stopping by the by. Um, this just proves how fraudulent LSU are, I guess, this are this year. And that SEC West is just, huh, I don't know how they've won it, but they have. But yeah, LSU are not a good team. Not exactly the preparation you want before a title game. Uh, that was That was bad. And... I suppose I'd like to say that LSU won the West by proxy because Ole Miss lost. Maybe LSU just mm. didn't deserve to win it all. I think this result says a lot about the SEC West. Ole Miss bottled it. And despite, like you say, the big win against Ole Miss, the huge win against uh, Bama, like, it's LSU team. It just ain't there yet, is it? Like I say, they've got no. the pieces. Like Harold Perkins, one of the best players in the nation. Like Keishon Boutier. Well, the kid don't really want to know. I don't expect him to be there next year. Like I say, Jane Daniels had like 70% of like a Heisman year transferred and then he probably showed a bit, went back to his Arizona State days and just was really inconsistent. No run game all year. LSU, for the love of God, have got to find a running back because they just can't see these games out. Like I say, there's no complimentary football. Can't rely on a running quarterback to just make these big passes. Yeah. Defence, like I say, secondary, just getting sliced and diced. And this is the LSU, LSU secondary, usually, is one of the best units they have. Mm. Can't really say that this year. That that don't really exist right now. So, I don't know what's going to happen in the SEC title game. Uh, you, you know what? It, it just smacks of upset to me. I don't know why. But LSU probably going to be the only team that can ever have claimed to won the SEC and will not get in the playoffs. That is, you almost don't want that moniker, do you? No, I can see them doing it. Yeah, 
I can see them getting no playoff love whatsoever because they just just they just flat out don't deserve it. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be it'd be funny. I kind of oh, want yeah. it to happen. Like LSU fans, like you'd be you'd be it'd be weird being an LSU fan to be the SEC champion but also be irrelevant in a playoff thing. Like it'd yeah. be very glass half empty. Yeah, this is this kind of like the sickos side of me going. Yeah, I I want to see, I want to see this. I want to see a three loss SEC champ. I want to see them dare to put them in the playoffs, um, just to really just enrage the entire country. But <coughs> yeah, I don't want to see it happen. Really, I don't want to see TCU get screwed. But yeah, LSU wiped away Texas A&M, and it wasn't even close. Um, what was close though? This was another one on the pick watch. Tulane. What a season they've had under Willie Fritz. On the road to Cincinnati. And this was a massive game because UCF were right on both these teams' tails. One game behind the pair of them. They hold the head-to-head over both of them. This was loser goes home. Winner gets home advantage in the championship game this weekend. Tulane on the road. That Cincy side still good this year. I went with Tulane because my gut feeling tells me they've been a good football team this year and Cincinnati have not really been a good football team this year. Despite getting the wins, I ain't been convinced by them. I thought Tulane could do it. And Tulane, they could do it. This was separated by a field goal in the first quarter. The teams matched each other in scoring second, third and fourth quarter. It was so tight throughout, but a field goal in the first for Tulane put them over the edge. They won 27-24, to finishing the season 10-2, and and they have home advantage for the championship game in the American coming forward. Ty J Spears has been the man for them, the running back this year. 35 carries, 181 yards, two touchdowns on the day. 5.2 yards per carry for him there. Um, interception, Dorian Williams, he's very talented on the uh, Tulane defense. He got the important pick of the day there. On Evan Prater, wasn't Ben Bryant. Ben Bryant is injured, he is done for the season. Evan Prater took over for this one. Uh, 10 of 26, 102 yards and a pick. Not a good day to have another quarterback in the building there. And since he just, they lost too much talent last year, didn't they, Ryan? They, I know they've gone right to the wire and could have made the American Championship game again, but at the end of the day, it always felt like a mountain that was a bit too much to climb for them, and that's that's how it's shaken out. I don't think they deserve to be in that position in first place. They were very fortunate to even be in title contention. Like, say, uh, apart from, like, Ivan Pierce Jr., who have been very yeah. impressive all year, standout player, the rest of it is just... No, it's just... They're just holding the places, like, say, until they can get recruits in and that. So I felt like this was always going to be Fickle's final year and they'd fall at a hurdle. And Tulane is setting up, I think, one of the best title games of the year. I think Tulane v UCF is going to be fantastic. Mm, yeah. it's, going to, it's so evenly matched it, it's going to be a coin toss to high powered teams yeah who love to run the football it's yeah it's going to be interesting one's a running quarterback one's a throwing quarterback but both both got big rushing potential we'll talk about the championship game shortly but yeah I'm looking forward to it but yeah since the ant looked the same Ivan Pace though he had 13 tackles in this one Ivan Pace Jr. is a linebacker who you need to acquaint yourself with for this draft, if you're listening. If you want a linebacker in this draft, 
you've got to have him near the top of your boards. Came over from Miami, Ohio this season, did a load whilst he was there, but he has continued his form at one of the bigger boys in the G5 as well, so he's going to get a lot of attention, and rightly so. He's had a great year. Um, a few other games with the other ones I want to mention. Oh, I'm going to mention them. North Carolina State won the rivalry game with UNC and sort of torpedoed any chance they might have of reaching the college football playoffs as well and possibly torpedoing Drake May's Heisman campaign. This one went to two lots of overtime. North Carolina State were able to get the field goal and stop UNC here. Um, I love this game from start to finish. I thought NC State had no chance. I'm not an NC State fan, but... They're one of my favourite teams at this moment in time. I watch a lot of them. Nearly won this in regular time, but Drake made, to his credit, made a really clutch touchdown throw. After one had got chalked off, he did it twice. One of them got chalked off, then he made another throw again, right down a seam. Beautiful dart of a throw from him to get it to overtime, but came up just short. He went 29 of 49, 233 yards, touchdown and an interception. He also had a rushing touchdown as well. Josh Downs, uh, he's in the, well, maybe he should have been in for the Beletnikov, is not. Six receptions, 51 yards. Little quiet for him in such a big day. It's a little quiet game for him in such a big day. On NC State side, Ben Finley, the QB, did what he needed to do. 27 of 40, 271 yards, two touchdowns, didn't turn it over, well played by him. Um, but this was, this North Carolina rivalry is fierce. These two teams don't like one another, and it was a very fun game overall. And NC State, you know, they managed to eke it out in the end. It's an 8 and 4 season. Devin Leary's injury derailed the campaign. Thank you, Florida State, for that injury in him. But good end to the season for them, but. A sad one for UNC. They've got the ball game, but so much was possible a few weeks ago with them. Yeah, I think <coughs> you ran out of steam. You've realised that the fragility of just having Drake May and then everything outside of that is just very average. And he's got to a point where he can no longer carry the sides. Like I say, Josh Downs got bottled up, just taken away from him. And when your favourite target gets taken away from you and you're left with guys that just aren't as good as him or you don't trust as much. The connection's just there. So they were never going to win because, like I say, run game is just not materialised. Defence, average at best. So, yeah, unfortunately, uh, the Heisman, uh, depending on what happens in the championship game, maybe he'll still make the final. He should probably still blow the final, but there's no way he can win it now. And yeah, any slim, slim, slim chance of an ACC team making the playoffs was crushed. He was probably marginal or non-existent to begin with, but now that just put an exclamation point on it. Yeah. So, but there's always next year, at least for Drake May. But I feel like Drake May will probably get frustrated with this kind of thing yeah. within a year or two. <coughs> yeah. He will. He won't stay at UNC. No, but he's getting a lot of chatter already. I know a lot of Lions fans like him a lot to the point where they would defer a quarterback another year and wait for him I mean remember Sam Howell remember the last UNC quarterback who came so, out who we we're were talking about Caleb Williams next year people want uh, Drake May in <coughs> two years three years yeah we're, we're 
look at high school QB and pick them for four years' time. Let's, Why yeah, let, like when Raiola arrives soon, doesn't it? Raiola's kid arrives soon, so he's yeah. a big Lion, Lions player, Dominic Raiola is. I imagine there'd be some calls for him when the time comes. Um, or Arch Manning, just go for Arch Manning, just wait another four years or whatever. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it, is, um, <coughs> it is interesting. Um so a few other results we can go through before we move on to the final final predictions of the season. Um, James Madison smashed Coastal. I know it was minus Sands, Grayson McCall, but still a good team. And JMU have got to be delighted with this season overall. I think they finished with eight wins, if I remember rightly. You know, coming up from the FCS, they're not allowed to take part in the off season which is a ridiculous rule but um yeah finishing with a bang for them yeah they won the division they took the head to head by proxy can't make it which is really sad right i don't think beyond their wildest dreams they thought that todd centeo would have led them to a (laughs) non-proxy not counting (laughs) I, i think it was a perfect season i think he's a senior so I'm pretty sure Todd Centeo's college career is nearly over. I but think gone so. Over bang. Yeah. The Dukes, he led them to a basic perfect year. They had that blip where they lost like three in a row. And yeah. yes, you can say Grayson McCall didn't play and they blasted him 47-7. Would they have won without Grayson with McCall? Well, probably. They, they beat Army There's, running the football. Yeah. There's no reason that they couldn't have won that game with Grayson McCall. But is Grayson McCall worth 40 points? Probably not, no. So no. I think that'd be a very unfair on them. So yeah, I'd say their season's been perfect. Yeah. If you recruit well and they find the QB and like that, they'll make a serious run at Sunbelt next year. They will battle Coastal for a proper division title next year. Oh, it's yeah. It's just a shame that they could have had a really good ball game as well. But yeah, when you make the leap up to the FBS, this is probably the, the best season you could ever hope for. Oh, yeah. I. They're already up there on my list of contenders for next season when we start talking about the Sun Belt again next year. They're, they're going to be right up there. Um, other results that took place. Um, how fitting that Oklahoma's season should end with a 51-48 loss to Texas Tech. I mean, if that doesn't espouse an Oklahoma side these the in these years, the, the offense is really good. And poor old Dylan Gabriel has worked miracles there. And just to be let down, I, w- I bet he regrets that move now. But giving up a 50-burger to Texas Tech, that if you've written a script to end Oklahoma's season, that was it. Yeah, a mess. <coughs> All offense. I think he threw six. Did he throw six touchdowns and a pick or something crazy? Yep. To end his, like, to probably end his college career as well. Like I say, I reckon, yeah. I reckon he'll skip any future and I think I just got the draft but yeah, yeah the season <coughs> it put him on a good national scale and it was pretty much always the defence laying down so I don't think personally it was too bad for him but for Oklahoma just just elevates all their flaws even more putrid defence yeah it's just, it's just bad yeah, I, I was shocked when I realised they got bowl eligibility this year. I don't feel like they deserve bowl eligibility this year. They are not a good team. I mean, if he's, Gabe, definitely not, he's definitely not played in that bowl game. He ain't going to no. risk it. If Gabriel had been fit all season, because I know he's had injuries, if he'd have been fit, maybe you could add another one or two wins on there. But that is it. 
That defense is rank awful. Yeah, Gabriel, 28 of 40, 449 yards, six touchdowns, one pick. I bet he's just there thinking, screw this. Tyler Schoff, the Texas Tech quarterback, 31 of 50, 436 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. This was very much a throwing game, and the wide receivers, um, wide receivers went crazy in this. Marvin Mims, the Oklahoma State outstanding wide receiver, Five receptions, 162 yards, two touchdowns. That is 32 yards per catch. Theo Weiss did even better. Three receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown. Just 41 yards average per catch. Offensive slug fest. Where were the other ones I quickly want to mention? App State lost in two overtime to Georgia Southern, 51-48. to I feel like that is a perfect way for App State's season to end that. App State's... It's been a roller coaster year, hasn't it? Big win over Texas A&M, 40 minutes possession over them at their own ground, but um, trash season for App State, really, all things considered. The world was their oyster after that game, and they uh, ground it up into a fine dust and snorted it and threw it away. Yeah, terrible. I, 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 don't, think the, I don't think it's Texas season again, and all their best seniors are going out on a low. Chase Price is done. I think that, I think that was where uh, they're probably gone. I think yeah. Cameron Peoples leaving. So their best players on probably both sides of the ball are probably going. And I'm not convinced that App State are going to reload anytime soon or bring some names in. So it looks like what was like a strong 2-3 Mountaineers dynasty almost, with like lots of wins, is probably about to come to a pretty quick halt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one team who did end it on a happy note, the Duke Blue Devils, now they are going to get their ball, ball game, but they beat Wake Forest, 34-31. to 31, A very positive season for them with Riley Leonard, quarterback. Maybe the future there, but the future certainly looks bright for the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, they did really well. Jalen Calhoun had a massive game. Uh, there's some good defenders there that are draft eligible. There's some weapons. Uh, yeah, I think the... I'd say he's only a sophomore, like 6'4", 220, big, strong kid, good arm. I think there'll be some, not tampering, but I think there'll be some scores out there that try to lure Riley Leonard away. Match to mm. whisper a few sweet nothings in his ear. On the other side, what a rotten year for Sam Hartman. I yeah. really don't know where he goes from here. <coughs> no. I kind of feel like the draft stock's in Taz. Yeah. And I has he got any eligibility left? I don't think he don't does, does think, he? No. He's he, I, think he's already I think he declared for the draft after their, like... Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. Gone. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, no, not a good ending. No, no. Awful there. Um, a few others. TCU blew out Iowa State, dropped a 60-burger on them, got their unbeaten season in the Big 12. We're going to talk about their title game in a moment. And there was one last one I wanted to mention. Um, Washington? Washington? Oh, yeah. Washington smacked Washington State. Although, yeah, I, 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 I went on the Cam Ward train again. You probably already know that one. But, I mean, I feel like... And I, I feel like this Washington season is going to have to go down as a bit of disappointment. I know they're 10-2, and, and I know it's a good season for them, but I feel like after the start they had, and they had Penix on a Heisman campaign trail, they should have done better, but ended it with a rivalry win at least. 
yeah, this should have been the year. Like the the, the team had the potential to win the Pac-12. Mm. It, it could have won the championship. Like I said, Penix Jr. could have gone to the Heisman. I know he's had a strong cameo in the last few weeks, and I've seen a lot of people thinking that the Lions should take a gamble on him. Mm. I'm not completely sold yet, but yeah. What a season hat. Started a lot of promise. Kind of just was good, but not great. So, yeah. Huskies, they're right in the mix. Good first year for Kevin, is it, is it DeBoer? Yeah. I'd say for a first year for a head coach, I think he had a good year. But, oh. yeah. Yeah, he can prove on. Yeah, I, I liked his hire actually. So I like what they've done. I just feel like they could have done more, which was a shame. But yeah, Penix threw for nearly 500 yards, 485, three touchdowns. He got two scoring touchdowns as well. Towler Papa, the running back's been really good. He had a hundred, he had another hundred yard day. I mean, Cameron Ward had himself a good day overall. 33 of 52, 322 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't turn it over. Um, there's just a lack of a run game at Washington State, which is holding them back, and a lack of defense as well. Uh, well, Jake Hayden, a grad transfer to Washington. He should I have done it last year. I told, it. yeah, I told you last year he should have grad transferred somewhere like that. He should have gone to the Pac-12. Alex Junior's leaving. Yeah, Sam Hewitt, their former five-star kid, has now not started for like two years and has not played any football at Washington. No, can't be the guy. No, no, I agree. He should have gone. I don't know if he's got any eligibility left. If he does, he should, but I don't know I whether he's got he will or not. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think, does he enter the draft or yeah. say, does, does the Burr ring him and say, let's have one last ride together? It would not surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me either, in the slightest. Um, the last one I did was, this is actually quite ironic because uh, Big Aries has just sort of segued me into this. Um, but I wanted to mention the Florida rivalry last. I've been trying to avoid it, but hey-ho. Uh, just before I do, Big Aries 70, Florida backup quarterback Jalen Kittner, John Kittner's son, has been arrested. So that has not been a good year for Florida. Um, Florida lost the rivalry game to Florida State, who have ended up actually having a really good season when all is said and done. Jordan Travis passed the 3,000-yard mark for the season. He's done really well. Trey Benson, three touchdowns, rushing touchdowns on the day. Travis had two rushing touchdowns. He threw 13 of 30, 270 yards and a touchdown. Not eye-popping stats, but did what he needed to do. Uh, on Florida's side, Anthony Richardson, he did take a hit in this. He started off hot in this game. Then he went through, like, I think, was it, like, an 0-for-14 run in, like, the middle of this game? His passing was, he was 9-of-27, 198 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. Um, Ricky Pearsall got no yard of that. Yeah, Ricky Pearsall got 148 yards and two touchdowns. So he got 148 of 190 yards. He, he had a great day. Uh, only Jonathan Odom and Dante Long caught passes from Anthony Richardson. Otherwise, Trevor Etienne had a really good day. Travis's younger brother, 17 carries, 129 yards, touchdown, nearly 8 yards per carry for him. But, I mean, the overall arc of this game, I don't want Anthony Richardson at Lions. I still don't want him at the Lions. I think he should go back for another year because he doesn't look ready, does he? I don't think he looks ready, but... I don't think he's going to return. Someone's going to pick the uh, traits, aren't they? 
Yeah. Someone's um, gonna pick high for the traits. The Lions have been to what <coughs> go the games, I think it is. I'm pretty yeah. sure scouts. They're looking at him. They're in. Other than like Ventro Miller, there's not many guys to look at in Florida, to be honest. I, I'm trying to convince myself it's for Osiris Torrance, the guard, because he's a monster right guard, and we need a new right guard next year. So I'm trying to convince myself it's that, but you, I didn't know it to you don't in the go second and, round. Would yeah. not surprise me in the slightest. I will not spend a first on him. No, unless we unless we trade one of the firsts and get two back and have three. Yeah, and take him at the end of the first. Yeah, but if, I think he'll fall at the second. And if it's in the second round, I'm willing to throw a second round pick at him because yeah. that just means Goff's coming back. Yeah, I, I ain't spending a first round pick on traits. You've got to show me what you can do in college if you want me to get to spend a first round pick on you. If if you if, you, if it's just traits alone, then screw it. I'll take KJ on day two of the next draft. He's got traits. He's done it in college. I can develop him instead, and I don't have to pay such a high pick for him. But yeah, Anthony Richardson does not excite me in the slightest at the minute. I don't care about traits. It's the same with Will Levis. I don't care about his traits. I loved him coming into this season. The arm is there. The toughness is there. He's a Detroit quarterback. If you could like draw a Detroit quarterback, he would be the guy. But he's been trash. He's been trash. They've lost to Vanderbilt. He couldn't do it against Vanderbilt. I mean, this week. Lost this week. Yeah. They've looked awful, Kentucky have. You don't spend... Such a high first round pick on traits, because that's what you're doing, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's Richardson, no, Levis, no, nothing to do with it. I want to go Bryce Young or bust in this draft for a quarterback in terms of drafting a starter right away, and that is that is it. So, but yeah, I mean, what a rivalry week! It was it was crazy. Some spectacular games in there, some great upsets, some great football. This was a really fun way to end the regular season for a lot of teams. Um, did you have a look much at the uniforms? The, you know what? That University of South Florida slime green was beautiful. That slime green outfit was amazing. They wore it against UCF. Is it UCF they were playing, wasn't it? And they looked... Ooh, they looked chef's They got kiss. destroyed. <laughs> they got destroyed, but they got destroyed looking good. Are there any other uniforms that picked your eye? <coughs> I can't actually remember. That's fine. I didn't, I didn't um, get to see many games, to be honest. That's fine. Um, we do need to have a word about uniforms, though. Because you said that Army uniforms in the upcoming Army-Navy series look fucking awful. I have to just go on record and say that's a terrible take. They're amazing. I think they're two great uniforms this season. I mean, the... The, the design's great, the colours are good, but the big stupid star, the massive numbers. Like, why could it be white? Why is it yellow? Why is it so big? Like, they've ruined what would have been a fantastic uniform. The navy ones are boring. Just red, white and blue. They're really basic. I love the helmets. The helmets I, are good, yeah. The I helmets like are... The I love the helmet detail from them, but... I don't know. Something gets me about that army outfit. I love like the sand, the, the granicular version of the sand and everything, and how it's on there. And I like love camo, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love the fade T-shirts. It's just something where they fade out into another colour. There's just something that gets me about them. So that's going to be fun. I think it's the 10th or 11th of December. It usually happens. So it's a game completely on its own. There's going to be a lot of people watching it. So those unis are going to be fire to watch. Um, 
Right, so that is everything from the review from the last week of the regular season. God, it feels like a minute ago since week zero when we started doing this, thinking, yeah, we're going to be doing this forever. Nope, season is already over, and we are now in championship week, Ryan. The week where all this pain and sacrifice and hard work and effort becomes worth it for at least one team in uh, all of these games coming up. It's the final pick-watch set of the week. Let's just have a little discussion about the games and uh, see who's going to win this because Ryan has an outside chance in the pick-watch. He's five down on the other Ryan who's leading it, but, you know, if the man is brave, he might be able to overhaul his lead. And if Ryan, other Ryan, is very crazy and goes with some bad ones, who knows? But let us get into it. Let's start off with the Pac-12 Championship, because that is your home territory there. Because of Oregon's massive screw-up against Oregon State, Utah, Utah of all teams, despite them feeling like they've had a really underwhelming season, Utah were able to sneak in by the skin of their chinny-chin-chin. This is going to be a ranked matchup against USC, who obviously won the whole thing outright pretty easy in the end. USC went 11-1 in the regular season. The Utah Utes went 9-3. I kind of feel like they're fraudulent here, but Utah won this last year. Cameron Rising won this last year, and USC haven't proven anything so far under Lincoln Riley. You can do all you want in the main season, but it's coming to the big games and doing it when it really matters. Pac-12 Championship, Ryan, Utah, USC, who have you got to round out the Pac-12 season? USC, close <coughs> one. I think Kayla Williams will have a, a mammoth day. But that USC defense is terrible, mm. and it will keep Utah just hanging on. This is going to be like a 70-point game. Uh, Dan McGuinness is in the chat. He says, all right, chaps, how are you both? We are good. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for joining us, as always. We're just going through our uh, predictions uh, for the championship games. <sighs> I don't know. This is a hard one for me. Because Utah went and did it last year when we didn't expect them to against Oregon. They whooped them twice. This team just has a way of winning games that it shouldn't win. And USC, there's playoff implications here. The hype is big. And this is a Lincoln-Riley team. That defense is awful. If Utah can get something going in this game, if they can get the ground game running, Cameron Rising has the pressure taken off him to you know be able to play well in this game, they've got a chance. I mean, that USC D-line is good. If they put him in third and long situations, is it Tua Pilatu who's out there will eat him alive. He's had a monster season, but... <clears throat> I'm going Utah upset here. There is just something that's nagging away at the back of me that thinking Utah can pull this out. They've been there, done that. USC haven't. I'm going Utah upset. Ryan has gone USC win. CUSA championship up next. UTSA are back, Ryan. We wondered whether Sincere McCormack's loss 
would be a road too far for UTSA this year. But as I said in the previews that we did at the start of the season, they've probably got the best quarterback in the entire UTSA, in CUSA, sorry, in Frank Harris, who's had a really good season. They have gone 10-2 and two on the year, and they are up against the 29-year-old Austin Aoun and his North Texas Mean Green, who at 7-5 and five have snuck their way into this five defeats. They've made the title game. Thoughts on the CUSA title? Are UTSA going to go back-to-back, or are North Texas going to cause an upset? I think North Texas <coughs> are going to cause a massive upset. Austin Allen's been one of the best QBs, not just in the US, in the nation. I think he finished top five in passing yards. They're just all-out explosion offense. And when a team is seven and five, they've got nothing to lose. There's no pressure on them. All the pressure is on UTSA. I think they can go out there, just play their own game and have fun. And this will be the biggest upset, I think, of the whole ball, whole championship games. I'm going to take, I'm going to take North Texas. So, as I say, this is this is a battle of really two good quarterbacks. Like you mentioned, Allen has had a very good season. I've got his stat line up here. So he has thrown for 3,115 yards, 31 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. But the passing percentage is 57.4, so a little bit inaccurate um, when... <laughs> when he's been called upon, but like you say, they're a very pass-heavy offense. He gets a lot of opportunities uh, to do what he needs to do. With Frank Harris, 3,524 yards on the season. He's up at 70% passing, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, so about 1-4, to four, which is a pretty healthy ratio. He's got 8 rushing touchdowns on the season as well, so I am a Big UTSA fan. I think UTSA are going to go back to back. So me and Ryan are splitting North Texas for him. UTSA for me. Right, who is up next? Big 12 championship. Kansas State TCU. You mentioned it earlier, Ryan. This is a revenge game for Kansas State against TCU. And they have nothing to lose. And TCU have every thing to lose in this one. TCU beat them 38 to 28 in the regular season, but as Ryan mentioned, this was no cakewalk. TCU scored 21 unanswered in the second half of that game. Kansas State did not score a single point. I think that was when Adrian Martinez got injured and Will Howard began his ascent in the team. Um so, obviously a little bit of upheaval for them there. Kansas State finished 9-3 on the season. TCU, perfect, 12-0. The holy trifecta of guys. Max Duggan, Heisman campaign at quarterback. Kendra Miller, criminally underrated at running back. Every single week, churning out yards and scoring touchdowns. And you've got Quentin Johnston at wide receiver. Possibly the best ex-wide receiver in this upcoming draft. He has been injured and not playing much recently, but I believe... He is scheduled to be back for this one. TCU, this is everything for them. 
They have been doubted all season long. They have suffered trials, suffered tribulations. Never have they seemed to have the adulation of everybody and the belief of everybody that they could do it the entire season. And their playoffs maybe come down to this one. Who's going to win in the Big 12 championship game? They're going to ball it. Kansas State. <laughs> Revenge. <coughs> as, you say, as you mentioned, TCU. They're in the they're in the headlights, and I think they're going to stall when it matters most. I think Kansas State have seen they've played them once they've lost. I think they've got a blueprint now to beat them. Will Howard just got better every game the season, and this is a huge game for Juice Vaughn just before the draft. It'll be maybe his last game ever. It will be. He won't I play think... in the ball game. I don't think so. I think this is going to be huge. I think. Kansas State have got the blueprint now to take them down. I think this is a step too far for TCU. Yeah, this this one should be called the battle of underappreciated running backs. I think Juice Fawn and Kendra Miller are criminally underrated, the pair of them, and I think they're both going to get picked up in this draft. Um, I think Miller can go anyhow. I'm, not, I'm pretty sure he can, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. I thought if TCU were going to screw it up, they'd screw it up against Iowa State because that defense could have made their life hell. They went and dropped a 60-burger on them. I think they're legit for the playoffs. And I bet for them in this one. I've been betting against them every week as sort of a good luck symbol. I actually bet for them last week and they still won. So TCU all the way, baby. We're going to split again on this. So you go on Kansas State. I'm going TCU. I hope they do. Prime, I just don't want Ohio State to get in, so I don't want TCU to get screwed by it. Ford Field action next. <laughs> the MAC Championship. Toledo versus Ohio. The MAC has been a cesspit of awfulness this season, and it kind of feels like the guys who've eventually reached there have got there so by proxy. I mean, Toledo won their conference fairly comfortably in the grand scheme of things. They went 7-5 and five on the season, but all those wins were in the MAC. So they won at a con- they won their conference at a canter. The Ohio Bobcats finished nine and three on the season, so actually a better record than Toledo themselves. But they had a few in conference losses there. Um, and they've not played each other this season. The uh, schedule did not overcome there. So Ford Field action rise Saturday, the day before the Jacksonville Jags game. Toledo, Ohio, who is going to rise from the cesspit of the MAC and claim championship and dominion overall? I'm going to take Toledo. <coughs> Toledo, like I say, have been really good in the MAC, and most of their losses have come outside of it, but they've had a pretty much hold on a lot of the conference most of the year. And when it comes to playing those they know best, they seem to know how to get the job done. And 9-3, and three, I think that flatters Ohio a little bit. I think 9-3 and three would flatter anyone in the MAC this year. So, yeah, I feel like also Toledo in the least recent years have been to the MAC title game. I think I remember they didn't lose to Kent State like two years ago. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, so they've got, they've got previous experience of playing a title game and... That feels like it's kind of like invalued well in this position. I don't remember the last time Ohio went. No. I, I don't know. They've had a good year. Oh. They beat Florida Atlantic on their out non-gone schedule. Uh, they got blown out by Iowa State and Penn State. So, you know, they are the average run-of-the-mill MAC team. Toledo are like... 
the sleeping heavyweight who always underachieve. At least that's how Juni highlighted them, and I agree. I think they're a bigger team who've not really done as well as they should do, but they should win this. But if there's one thing I've learned to believe, it's that nothing in the MAC makes sense this year. So if Ohio win, I could fully well see it. But I'm going to go with you. We're going to have our first sweep. Toledo going to win that one. Sunbelt Championship action next. Coastal Carolina at Troy. I'm fairly confident I called this one at the start of the season in predictions. I loved Troy, the defense. It's one of the most talented defensive rosters in the nation, not just the group of five. The entire, I don't know how, but I think it was like 17th in the country, their defensive roster strength. And they've worked off that this season. Their defense has been amazing. They've won three games by scoring 10 points or less. That's incredible. <laughs> that's that's just how good this defense has been. On its day, it can stump anybody. Coastal Cal, we know the offense. Grayson McCall, is. it's a race against time at the minute. Um, Jamie Chadwell was asked today... Um, about him he said if the game was today he wouldn't play but we're going to train him for the three days in the week going up to this and we're hopefully going to have him go but I think one thing we can agree on he ain't going to be fully healthy and he's coming against the Troy Trojans defense that brings pressure and brings pain to opposing quarterbacks it's probably the worst the worst matchup possible for me for Coastal Cal. They can go down the line of trying to run the ball like they did against Army and smash the ball down their throat. This Troy Trojans defense doesn't allow it. It's that damn good. For me, this is cut and dry. The Troy Trojans win this. And they win it handsomely, regardless of whether McCall plays or not. Ryan, Sunbelt, who is going to win? Oh, yeah, Troy. We just did what James Madison just did without Grayson McCall plastered them now even if Grayson McCall plays healthy like at like what 60 70 percent yeah I think that's as good as not playing at all so yeah give me Troy and I don't think it'll be close I agree I don't think I think the only reason it'll be close is if that Troy offense struggles to score points but I I, I think they're gonna be fine I think they're gonna be just fine Joseph Austin's in the chat he goes draft McCall hey I would not be against it I'm not against double dipping for quarterbacks in this draft this year. He's going to be the second guy after another. I will fully take it. If he's going to be a developmental guy, I'll fully take him. I love him. So, yeah, agree with you there. Um, you, you made a bold statement earlier that this might be the championship game of all in terms of entertainment and who might do this. We're in the American. I've got my winner too. I know We're in the American. It's UCF at... Tulane, UCF, obviously, John Rice Plumley. You know, he's the running quarterback. He's the guy who doesn't really get it done with his arm. But this UCF team have found a way. Tulane ranked 18th, finished the season 10 and 2. UCF ranked 22, finished the season 9 and 3. These teams are set for a rematch. UCF beat them in the regular season. I said they had the head-to-head -head on both them and Cincinnati. UCF beat them 38-31 to when Tulane just started to struggle a little bit. UCF started hot, scored 17 points in the first quarter of that game, and Tulane could not get back into it. Is this revenge time for Tulane, Ryan, or is Isaiah Bowser and John Reese Plumley 
gonna make life miserable for them and bring home an American to UCF. Yeah, gimme. Gus Malzahn is he's bringing a championship with that two-headed running <laughs> monster. So yeah, gimme UCF. They've been heavy scorers all year, and I don't think home advantage makes much difference. He's not gonna swim me. I think they're gonna do the double over two lane. I don't know. You know what? I just love the matchup. If you do, I think I think a lot of people saying two lane for the New York the New Year Six ball game. Nope. I think if UCF win this, I think they're going to win the game too. I think the, the New Year Six representative from the G Five is coming from this game. Yes, definitely. Whoever wins this game gets that G five spot in the New Year's Six game. So yeah, I agree with you entirely. I don't know. I just love the matchup. I feel like Willie Fritz is deserving of this. I feel like Gus Malzahn is deserving of this. I think they're two fantastic head coaches who've done two fantastic jobs this year. And I hate to pick a winner in this one, but my gut told me Tulane this weekend just gone against Cincinnati. I just like them a little bit more. I am not saying anything against UCF, but I'm going with my gut again. I'm going with Tulane, so we're split on this, but the winner, whoever they are, will be worthy as hell and they should enjoy their um they should enjoy their prestigious ball game. They really, really should. So me Tulane, Ryan, UCF. God, there's some crackers here. Um <coughs> Mountain West next. Probably the less said about this, the better. It has been a dumpster fire this year, but two teams had to get to the top to fight to be Mountain Kings. Fresno State at Boise State for this one. I mean, Boise, we know what they're about. Since Hank Backmeyer decided to leave them, that's probably the best thing that could have ever happened to them. They finished the season 9-3 and three on a real run of form. Obviously, one of the biggest draft crushers of all resides there, JL Skinner, the safety. He's the best safety in this draft class. He's a fridge with legs that runs like an athlete. He's crazy. I kind of want to see him win it just for him. Fresno State Bulldogs, Jake Hayner. He stayed at Fresno State when he shouldn't have. He should have gone to a bigger team. But that decision may look a lot better if he's king of the Mountain West by the end of the season. Ryan, which state will rule the mountains after this is done? Boise or Fresno? It's hard because, like I say, the last like, five, six weeks, Boise State have really turned a corner. Carolina <coughs> has really started to run the ball well. They found that wrong game again. But I also don't really trust them. Like, I'd, I don't know if I trust them in a big pressure situation like this. Like they've had nothing really to play for most of the year, so I, I don't I think I trust a mountain. Like, no. I don't think I trust a mountain west team at all this year. They're all garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to lean towards Fresno State. <laughs> I don't think it'd really be an upset either. Ooh, interesting. I mean, I don't know what. I've not done betting lines for these, but I would be interested to see who is favourites for this. Um, I feel like it would be Boise, but I could be wrong. Boise are favoured by three, so it's not much for home advantage. Oh, <coughs> I'm going Boise. I'm not just going against you, but I think Boise have that little bit more about them, and I kind of want to see JL Skinner win it, because... Low-key down, I really want to draft him badly. Um, two to go. At least I think it's two. Three, sorry, to go. SEC Championship, Ryan. 
This is the one. LSU versus Georgia. LSU, I mean, this is really too undeserving. I don't think LSU deserve to be in this one, quite frankly. But it is what it is this season. They've they've beaten who they need to beat. They're 9-3 and three on the season. The Georgia Bulldogs, one of three teams to finish the season perfect. That's obviously Georgia, Michigan, and TCU. Georgia did it last year. They've been there done that the defense is still elite the offense is still more than good enough to win games LSU they've shown on their day they can beat Alabama they've shown off their day they can lose to Texas State that's how wide their variation of performances is whereas you know with Georgia you're always going to get a gritty tough performance out of them is there going to be an upset and is a three-team SEC champ going to miss out on the playoffs this will be the worst title game by far. Georgia are going to absolutely pummel LSU. They're going to embarrass them, I think. They're going to totally show that they don't belong there, and it's going to make a mockery of the SEC when Georgia dropped 40 or 50 on them. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's going to be death by a thousand cuts. It's going to be slow, it's going to be painful, and Georgia are going to make them feel every single punch or cut along the way. Yeah, I've got Georgia. I just think they're a complete team. As complete as they can be. They lost all that talent in the draft and they still look like they haven't missed a beat. Um, Georgia all the way for me as well. Atlantic Coastal Championship. Clemson versus UNC. This has been held at a neutral site. I've not been saying the neutral site names for some of these. Um, But yeah, Clemson, UNC. Who have you got? to win the Atlantic. I think you've already said it, but just confirm for me. UNC by a lot. <coughs> DJU. I don't think he'll even start. Okay, close. <coughs> Will Shipley can't do it on his own. I think Drake may. I think he's probably going to find that magic that he's lost in the last week or two. See, this, this for me, it comes down to two things. You've got to look at the defences. Clemson's defence is elite. UNC's defense is trash. Then you got to look at the offenses. UNC's is really good. Clemson's is average. Can that average offense and elite defense overcome the high-powered offense but bad defense? I feel like if Clemson get in a hole early, it's over and UNC will win. I feel like if Clemson are playing from in front, Will Shipley can run the ball, control the time of possession... I don't think that UNC defense can keep them out, and I don't trust it to. I'm taking Clemson. I think that average offense will do enough. I do. Who do you think could be quarterback? Oh, Klubnik. I don't think DJU will. I think Klubnik will get the start, and I think Will Shipley will have the load of his life. I think he will have like 40 carries on the day couple of hundred yards, two or three touchdowns. I think I see that happening. I just don't trust the UNC defense. If, if that defense was even passable, I would pick UNC happily. I just don't trust that defense with it. I think it's going to cost them. So Clemson for me, UNC for Ryan, and... <laughs> oh, you said that um, LSU-Georgia might be the worst title game, but I think... We've got another who could definitely be worst title game here. It was worst title game last year, and it wasn't even close. 
We're, of course, talking Big Ten, where Purdue, of all teams, managed to scrape their way out of the barrel of shite, which is the Big, which is the big Ten East, East, West, West. It's West, West, isn't it? Yeah, they managed to scrape their way out of there. I love Aidan O'Connell. You know, Charlie Jones had a great season there, but they can't hang with Michigan. This might be as big a lopsided result as last season, I feel. Uh, Michigan, for me, oh, what do you think, Ry? <coughs> Michigan will win, but I think Purdue are plucky. I think uh, Charlie Jones could have a big game. And Aidan O'Connell will... His brother died the other day, so he's got like added oh, ex- yeah, his oh. older brother Sean, and he passed away. The McConnell family. So if that's on his mind, I feel like they'll get blown out. But I feel like that might spur him on a little bit more. Very up and down season. Purdue can score points. <coughs> yes, they can. The defense isn't great. I feel like this. I feel like this might be <coughs> like three quarters. And then Michigan run away. But this could be pretty high scoring. It's going to be a good offence. I was about to say, I feel like Purdue's best chance in this is to turn it into a gunslinging match. You know, get the arm going, make it a big scorer, don't rely on defence. Try and get Michigan away from that run game. But I said at the start of the season, I believe Aidan O'Connell to be the second best quarterback in the Big Ten behind CJ Stroud. I still kind of have that view. I know JJ's done what he's done, but he ain't done it like Aiden has yet. So I hope it's respectable, and I hope Aiden O'Connell has a really good day. Because for his draft stop, I think he's special. But yeah, it's a Michigan win. You didn't suggest an upset there, did you? No, I think Michigan will pull away, but I don't think it'll be impressive. I don't think it's going. <coughs> Won't be a flashy game. They didn't play each other in season, did they? They didn't. I feel like they didn't. No. Michigan's best win was Penn State, wasn't it? And then Indiana, yeah. So, yeah. I am going going Michigan for that one. And and there's no other games to talk about, really. I think Akron played Buffalo in the MAC. That's the snowed-off game from the other week. Um, That was on there. Yeah, I know. Can Can we get ball eligibility? Um, possibly, possibly. Oh, I think Buffalo can. Uh, no, Buffalo Bulls. Yeah, that week when they said they were going to play when the Bills didn't. Buffalo are five, yeah. Buffalo are five and six. Obviously, Akron aren't. They're two and nine. They ain't doing anything this year. But um, I don't think there's any <coughs> fixtures bar those. Nope, just the ten title games and Akron and Buffalo. So. Interesting from all this. Um, what's going to be the best game? Do you reckon out of all these, all the title games? Who's who's going to be the who's going to be the ding dong one to watch? UTSA v North Texas. <coughs> oh, yeah. Good fast. call. Good call. Yeah. I think there'll be not much defense. Mm, no, no, possibly not in that one. But yeah, I'd say so. UCF Tulane is going to be a great game. I think. Ooh, yeah, North Texas and UTSA after that. Utah-USC could be good if neither team plays defense, which is very likely. So that is probably going to be a high scorer as well. Right, that is everything for the Week 14 preview. I know I'm outstanding on some player 
tape reviews but as you see this show has been nearly three hours long because we've had all the coach stuff on there we've had rivalry week to talk about this was always going to be a long show um, so yeah I'll get back to this couple of uh, Iowa guys Kyle Van Ness and Jack Campbell I've not forgotten about those who asked me um, now that the season's over and there's going to be a lot less to talk about in terms of games we can do more with players so I will fit them in then Ryan is there anything else you want to uh, oh Big Airy says I referred to the Big Ten West as a crab bucket um, yeah yeah Big Airy's you're right it is a crab bucket although maybe switch the being crab to something else and then call it that sort of bucket that's probably what it is more um, anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here Ryan? I know we've been going a while but yeah a lot of stuff to chat about this week yeah the games uh, it's it that's it mm. this time after next week it's just playoffs and ball games so, yeah there's a lot of... <coughs> uh, it's going to be a weird ball season like, I don't know I'm not looking forward to it but like, ball games last season a lot more really disappointing so but, the yeah, best lot... one that I remember straight off was the Rose Bowl. Was it the Rose Bowl? Utah and Ohio State. They played in the Rose Bowl. That was fantastic. I think Utah can get in the Rose Bowl again this year as well. So, But yeah, I'm with you. It was pretty turgid last year. But it, I, I feel like something was affecting it last year. I can't remember. There were loads of... Oh, it was still COVID, wasn't it? We lost about six or seven games to COVID. Yeah, they cancelled them. And loads of teams had to start trying to wheel in at the last minute, etc. So, yeah. We'll do a bowl pick watch again, though, and see, because I won last year. So, I want to see if I can do it two years in a row. But guessing bowl games is... It, pff, you may as well just, like, pick a name out of a hat. That's what the thing's like there. So, yeah. Right. Um, thank you to everyone who's joined us this evening on Twitch, on YouTube. It's been a long walk, but like I say, we've had a lot to discuss. And we have one show a week to fit it all into so um we go there um joseph austin says witherspoon moving up in mock drafts nice call yes devon witherspoon i wanted illinois to get to the final the big 10 one just to put witherspoon on a big page again but yeah he is the best man coverage corner in this draft i am not going to change my opinion on that um he's a finalist for the jim thorpe award as well yeah yeah, yeah, he is, isn't he? We'll talk about the awards next week. All the positional award groups, the Bletnikov, the Jim Thorpe, we'll talk all about that next week. So we, you know, just not being able to fit everything in here. But I would be very happy if the Lions drafted a corner out the Big Ten this year, whether it's him, whether it's Joey Porter, whether it's the, oh God, who's the Michigan one I'm thinking of now? I don't care. As long as we get a corner in the first round out of the Big, Tw- Big Ten this year, I'll be happy. Because those two are great, but... Yeah, Witherspoon, Porter Jr., both pair of studs. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying, thank you to everyone who's joined us on YouTube, on Twitch. We really appreciate it. You've got any questions for me and Rye? If now that we get into draft season, if there is a player you want us to look at tape on and do stuff for that, if there's any positional groups you want us to do, let us know. We will have that covered for you. We will have loads of time for that now. Um Next shows, we are back tomorrow. Roar of the Lions UK Detroit Lions podcast preview in the Jacksonville Jaguars game. We have a guest on with us, so come join us for that. Me and Ryan will be back in a week's time. We will be reviewing Championship Week um, and we will be taking a look at the awards uh, for the season, the end of season awards. Maybe we'll do another all 
all Anton Rye team for the season who we've enjoyed watching etc so there'll be lots of fun stuff coming up and we've got to do our end of season mock drafts as well but we'll wait until the championship games are all wound up first before we do that Joseph says thanks guys sorry I was like hey no worries we just appreciate joining us you can go back to the start of the show obviously watch it again through chat a lot about head coaches all that sort of stuff rivalry week so it is all good fun let me just quickly check twitch no we are all good in there so it just remains for me to go through all our socials and then we will get on out of here so you can find us all over the internet at youtube roar of the lions uk we're approaching 700 subs so if we can make that final push to 700 that would be great on twitch rotl underscore uk Facebook, our page Roar of the Lions UK, and our group Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. On Twitter, you can find us at ROTL underscore UK, Instagram ROTL dot UK, and our website www.roarofthelionsuk.com. You will find all our game previews in there. Our writer Ashley Soden will have his Jacksonville Jaguars preview probably up tomorrow before we do our main show. So go check it out and give him some love. But for now, it just remains for me to thank Ryan. Remains for me to thank Hank for joining as always, and we shall see you soon. One pride.